Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the 1099 for the week of December 28th. This is going to be the weirdest episode that I have done at this point. Uh, you might get some advice on this podcast, but this one is not going to be nearly as advice-centric as they normally are. Uh, this is the most people I've ever had on the 1099, um, and they're all returning guests. So let me introduce people before I explain what we're doing. First off with me today is Carolyn Pettit. Carolyn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm I'm really I'm simultaneously excited about and <laughs> dreading the show that we have ahead of us, but I'm happy to be here and be a part of it with you. I am happy you're a part of it too, and hopefully we don't get too mad at each other during this. I know someone I will get mad at is Tom McShay. Tom, how are you doing today? I I'm good. Um, do you mind if I scream Spelunky for the next hour? Is that cool? Uh, I think at the very end is when Splunky gets this weird backdoor treatment where you're like, hold on, guys, let's talk about Splunky <laughs> and just destroys the entire list. Yeah. So I have a feeling it'll be brought up a couple of times. Someone who won't be bringing up Splunky, my transitions are getting better as I do more podcasts, <laughs> is uh, Ian Williams. Ian, how you doing? I'm doing good. I can't complain. I'm, I'm sitting here in a pile of glitter at my daughter's desk on a laptop and uh, trying not to get glitter on me. That sounds so. wonderful. Yeah, it yeah. sticks to everything. <laughs> it's going to be a very glittery podcast. So we are here, as I've tweeted about and talked about on other podcasts, to do a uh, top 10 game of the year list. And it's going to be interesting because a lot of us have games we played that we really love that other people on this podcast have not played. And that's just going to be what happens when you have a whole bunch of people who aren't in the same building or working for the same site. Uh, but this gives us a good opportunity to, one, yell at each other. And uh, to just kind of talk about interesting games that uh, other people haven't played and that we feel like are worth talking about. And a lot of these games, I haven't had a chance to review them or write features about them. And I've been just really itching to either bitch about them or say this is really, really cool. So the format for this is something we just recently discussed. And what we plan on doing, and if it crashes and burns, we'll switch it up. Uh, but what we plan on doing is that uh, I think I'm going to start. And I'm going to read off this entire list first, and then I'm going to pick one game that I feel like has to be in the top 10 list. I'm like, this game is too good. We can't ignore it. This is going to be something that we should keep. We will do that, narrow this list down, and then once we get 10 games, we will order it 1 to 10, 1 being the best. Or we could do 10 being the best, but that'd be stupid. 1 being the best, and then that is our first annual Freelancer Game of the Year awards. <sighs> okay, so the list as is consists of these games. Well, the, the winner's right at the top. So we have um, Rocket League, Metal Gear Solid Five, <laughs> Life is Strange, Bloodborne, Emily is Away, Undertale, Laura Croft Go, Axiom Verge, City Skylines, Journey PS4, which does count, and we can argue about that later, uh, Grow Home, Ark, The Witcher 3, Dragon Ball's Universe, there's the number two game, Lost Dimension, Tearaway <laughs> Unfolded, The Beginner's Guide, Super Mario Maker, Shadowrun Hong Kong, The Swindle, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time, Sunless Sea, and Elite Dangerous, um, which really shows how interesting this year has been for games. Uh, and just to kick this off, let me start with a, uh, a softball. So, um, guys, Rocket League is one of the best 10 games of the year. Rocket League is literally no, perfect. No game. argument here, but... Yeah. Literally perfect. Um, That's it. Here's my, my here's, here's my quick argument for other than the literally perfect, which I agree with you, Tom. This is actually something we talked about in an earlier podcast, where a lot of modern sports games, you almost feel like you need this 
pre-existing knowledge and understanding of how the game works, not just the sport, but the mechanics of the certain game, whether it be Madden or NBA 2K or something like that. And Rocket League just excels at throwing you into something where here you are this rocket car and here's a giant soccer ball. Get it in the other net. And it's just so much simple fun. And it sounds, you know, it's very cliche to say, you know, it's easy to learn, difficult to master and all that kind of stuff. But it really is that way where, you know, after hours and hours of playing it, you are jumping off walls and doing crazy spins as you're trying to knock the ball into the goal and you're yelling at the person on the mic with you whether it be your friend or anyone that you're it's some random stranger and it's just so much fun and it i don't play it as much as i used to but it had just such long legs where there were just months where i would get back from work and be like i'm gonna play two games of rocket league and then go do something else. So I'm going to play some Rocket League before I go to work. And it's just a perfect game in that way. And almost perfect in every other way. There's very few frustrations other than the early connection uh, issues. But So I think Rocket League, I'm going to argue probably it's one of the top three. But I, it's at least in the top ten of this year. Do you? So here's the one the one strike against it. Because we need to make a strike. Okay. Is it too similar to supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars? I thought you were going to ask if it was too perfect. It, no. That's my only argument against that. I mean, it is basically the same game. It's just, it's just, you know, prettier, basically. Yeah, but. it is. I guess like prettier and probably a little bit tighter with the controls. Um, yeah, but I, it's you know, it's it's refining it, and luckily this one got this perfect PlayStation Plus platform uh, to have everyone immediately get it and have this massive audience. So maybe it is, but I think it, it wasn't there like a Meat Boy before Super Meat Boy. Is there like a similar argument there where? One There's was, a Spelunky before Spelunky. That was my other thing I was going to bring up, but I didn't want to get stabbed. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I think you'd have like a similar argument there. Where the first one is kind of setting setting the groundwork for the concepts, and then there's the real release that comes out, and that's the badass one. Well, I okay. think it's a I think it's a sports game, right? Like Madden is usually just a prettier Madden every year, right? That's true. So you know, if it's it's I think it's in I think it's of a piece with uh, with its. Uh, inspirations at least it's market inspirations so i also think that any uh website out there that's doing game of the year awards and doesn't have rocket league winning best sports game of the year is insane i this beats madden and nba and everything like that for me but well it's it's like as you said i mean about how the these sort of existing franchise sports games there there is this sense of like i i don't have the knowledge of of pro football to like really be able to just pick up and play madden because i don't understand the the what the different play die, you know, I don't have that depth and I could learn it if I had that investment. But the thing, like when I was younger, I got way into this game called Cyberball, which was a football game where you played with robots. Oh yeah. And the, and the robots, that. the, the, the ball was actually like a bomb that would explode if, mm-hmm. if you didn't score a touchdown within like a certain number of, of, you know, downs or plays or whatever. And like the fact that it was robots and a bomb and all this crazy shit just made it that much, you know, made it that appealing to me in this kind of, it take it takes, you know, the concepts of an existing sport, but then does something with them that you can only do in video games, right? Like it makes, the, it makes them uniquely like a video game that is based in the rules and of this sport that we all at least kind of have some basic understanding of. And the thing, you know, one of the great things for me about Rocket League to me is just, that it's yeah it's such a pure such a focused game and like it i, I mean it, it's a game that i think any any of us can feel good about loving rocket league right mm-hmm. like not to get into 
too much into issues of, of, you know, politics and representation or whatever. But like the fact that it's just like cars playing soccer, it's like, it's yeah. like, it's this kind of like, I mean, universally appealing thing that we can all just come together around and, and, and enjoy, you know, together. And, and, uh, you know, as you say, like, easy to pick up, tough to master. Cause like at first when I was playing it, I'm like, I can't, this is ridiculous. Like I can't actually do anything skillful with this car. I'm just kind of trying to nudge the ball toward the goal. But as you play it, you realize like, oh no, you, you actually can be really good at this game and you can totally make all kinds of crazy skill shots and work with your teammates to coordinate all kinds of, you know, defenses or offensive maneuvers. And it's, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, so it's one of those also like surprisingly deep uh, games, you know, con- compared mm-hmm. to how it may initially look on the surface. And it's just, yeah, I mean, um, I think Tom is is right in a way when, you know, when he calls this a, a perfect game. I take exception to in a way, but well said. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm making it up as I go along. I, I also, it has some of the coolest like holy shit moments in video games this year when the ball is just like right, right. on that point between like where it's outside the goal and inside the goal and the car just kind of covers over the goal and slightly oh, touches yeah. it out and amazing double jumps and spins you know, or, off the yeah. ceiling. So many great like yeah, so many great gifts of, oh, of yeah. you know, shots and being made and goals being scored from the early weeks of this game becoming a sensation on on PlayStation. It was just, you know, it was just one of the one of those rare times when when like so much of the gaming community, at least in my kind of online, you know, Twitter circles and whatnot, seems to come together with this just this wide-eyed enthusiasm and excitement for something that is not it's, it feels new, it feels, it's invigorating, you know, it feels, you know, kind of innovative, and um, it's, you know, the, like, those are some of the moments that remind me of why I love video games. It's like, okay, yeah, we're, it's not, we're not all getting super excited about the hype around yet another, um, you know, Call of Duty or whatever, we're getting excited about something that, it didn't have a huge advertising budget, it wasn't like some AAA you know, monolithic game. This is like a legitimate, like word of mouth fan favorite, just, mm. you know, uh, experience that's bringing people together. Yeah. And it had a lot more like concurrent players than call of duty for a long stretch of time. And that was like cool to see. Not that I'm like I, trying, not, not, I'm saying like down no, with no, call no, of duty, but, but no, not at all. It's not about that. It's just about like, it's great to see a game that, you know, it, like a lot of, a lot of hype is kind of manufactured by advertising dollars. It's manufactured by, campaigns and by existing you know ips that have a huge fan base behind them already and so it's just great when you have something like this happen where it's this it's this thing that just kind of comes out of left field like i don't think many of us were anticipating you know at the start of this year that one of the favorite games one of the you know games we'd be considering best is right it's like oh by the you know at the end of 2015 a lot of people will be considering a game in which you play soccer with cars as you know one of the best games of the year it's like mm, okay yeah. uh, and yet here we are yeah it's i am bolding this on this list that is one of the 10 best games of the year and we'll probably revisit it when we have to order this but yeah mm-hmm. i think that's a pretty solid case for why rocket league is so good uh carolyn you're up next for choosing one of these as another All one right. that needs to stay all right. Uh, I guess I will. Huh. I will take a shot. I will go with Super Mario Maker, and um, Super Mario Maker I think is one of the one of the great games of of the year. I mean, in part 
because not unlike Rocket League, I think it has a really broad appeal to it. And, you know, a lot of games, of course, Little Big Planet have, have kind of tried to empower creators with creation tools before. But, and of course, some people who really dug in deep and, and took the time to master those could create some really impressive things. But I think, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of us feel like, well, the, the core mechanics of a game like Little Big Planet were just never, never tight enough. They never felt good enough to, to really make it a, you know, a genuinely say great platformer, right? Because the jumping just feels kind of floaty and wonky and this and that. Of course, I mean, you know, the, the mechanics in Mar in the levels that you create in Mario Maker feel, um, I mean, they're, they just feel like second nature to, and to any of us who've been playing platformers for any length of time because they are, you know, Mario. And, and I've, and that the creation tools are so, they're not just, um, accessible and easy to understand, but they're genuinely fun and charming to use. Like Nintendo really created a sense of play, I think, to the act of creation, as well as to the act of playing the levels that you create. I, I remember I was, I was playing with a friend once, uh, or just messing around with a level creator, and um, just showing her some of like the fun little variations in there. And when I showed her that you can change the, the hand that puts that like it shows up on screen to put things when I showed her like, Oh, you can make it like a cat paw. Yeah. Like it was, she it was just like this moment of, of just glee and joy. Right. Because it's such a cute, playful, funny little detail. And the whole creation process is kind of filled with those, uh, with those kinds of things. Um, but you know, of course all of that wouldn't add up to much of anything if you couldn't create, um, great things. And like any game that, um, puts uh get hands players creation tools of course a lot of people are just going to make really simple or kind of mediocre or poor things and and upload them to the to the shared space but i i mean uh i have played such a tr fantastic variety of levels that have such a wonderful variety of not only like core ideas like uh, but also just like tones and moods that they strike you know and some that have a kind of sense of sparseness and eeriness and like like environmental storytelling to them you know some that are ex extremely challenging but really rewarding others that are just just you know playful and brisk and and joyous and um I, yeah so for me like as both a creator and a player the way that it leverages what you know one of the most uh beloved series of you know, of all time in games, I think really makes Mario Maker, uh, as far as a, a creation platform game, it's, it's, it's kind of like a no brainer. Like how, how is this only existing now? And it's, it's just executed so, so well. Yeah. I never wanted to make levels in Little Big Planet. I really like those games, but I would always play other people's levels and I mean, sure. Mario Maker yeah. made me want to create levels. Be And it would, like you said, it's second nature at this point. It's Mario is so ingrained into our minds and, how that game feels and what the game looks like and the different elements and different enemies and different uh, geography and stuff like that. It, it just felt so natural where my little brother is a Wii U and you would hand that to me and be like, Hey, try this. And you know, I'll just create a level and be like, this is actually fun. This is something I could see myself putting hours into and maybe not making anything amazing that I want to show everyone, but something cool that I'm like, Hey, try this out, see what it's like. And yeah, I, I love that game. No argument from me. I think it's special. I still so. haven't played it, so <laughs> I'm bad. It's all right. That's 
I mean, you know what Mario Maker's like. It's, it's oh, a Mario. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been watching videos, and um, uh, I don't think she's. I, I think she went to the library, but I think it's on my. I think it's in my daughter's uh, uh, Christmas goodies. <laughs> uh, Yay! So, yeah. so, so I've just kind of been hanging out and watching jealously for like a month. So. Yeah, I think it's a great argument, and I think without a doubt that is one of the ten best games. So I am bolding that, and All that right. we already have two games of the ten done. This is easy. Come on, this is nothing. Tom, let's continue to make this easy. What other, what other uh, game? I'll to... make it a little tougher since I don't know if this is going to be unanimous like the other ones. Uh, I'm going to go with Axiom Verge. Okay. So Axiom Verge is a Metroid game. And unlike other games that are like Metroid, Metroid. Like this Metroid. Is, unlike Metroidvanias, <laughs> yes. like this is actually a Metroid game, which is a pretty big distinction because Metroid games are all about the tools that you use. And that's what kind of what separates it from something like Guacamelee, which is about the melee, or Outlands, which is about like the the movement and like that kind of stuff. Like this is all about the tools, and you get you know, ones like eighteen guns and a variety of tools to use. And like, the thing that's amazing is is like the best Mega Man games. Like the tool, the weapons are so varied and so powerful that you you just tinker with them constantly because they have more than one use. So, like, if from that perspective, it's incredible. And then the world design is one of the most intricate and elaborate and smoothly connected, yet still with so many secrets. I just, I am, like, in awe. I've played through it twice now. I'm in awe whenever I go through this game because the level design is just almost perfect. It's just sublime in how it's constructed. Uh, and then the fighting itself, it's, it's, it feels really good to fight enemies, which is important. And that's something that I think that, that Metroid has always been really good at. Uh, and then it's got a beautiful visual design and and incredible music. And I just, this is just, for me, this is the best 2D Metroid game ever, which is saying a lot, but I do put it above, uh, you know, classics like Shall, uh, Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid and wow. everything else that falls into there. I, just, I think this is, this is what I imagined when I played Metroid when I was growing up. This is what I always wanted. So I, I don't know that I so I, I wrote about a piece about Axiom Verge for Vice. I think Axiom Verge is a is a special game, but I, I mean I think it's I think it's different. What I like about it is I went into it kind of expecting okay, it is just like a Metroid game, but what I want and it is I mean I don't think Tom is wrong, but I think that it twists the our expectations or it twists the formula just enough to feel like it's also doing something a little self-aware and a little different with that formula um, in the sense that like, so you get uh, tools in this game, like as Tom says, it's, it's all about the tools and how you, how you use them. Like as is kind of true in the, in the Metroid games, there's an emphasis on that over say, uh, you know, other types of skill um, like, uh, like uh, Ori in the Blind Forest is a you know very different type. It might be broadly also considered a Metroidvania, but yeah. the skills that you use in that game are very different from the ones that you use in Axiom Verge. But what I especially liked about Axiom Verge is that um, so at first when I started playing it, it's this kind of eight bit style. Um, you know, uh, the visuals are this eight. They're they're deliberately you know an 8-bit style and they had like this kind of glitchiness to them that at first i thought oh it's just trying to kind of mimic what the like the nes you know would would often do or when there's just too many sprites on screen and it can't quite handle them all at times like you get some flicker or you could just tell that this that the console was you know kind of struggling a bit under the under the weight of trying to 
process everything. But it's really not. What ends up happening is you get these tools that make you feel like you are in some ways kind of manipulating the the code of the game and that the code of the game is this kind of malleable thing because you have these tools that will change the way that certain enemies behave. And so one of the great joys of that game for me was just like, okay, what what is going to happen to this enemy now if I do this? And oh my God, if I... If I use this on on these like laser things, instead of hurting me, they uh, will like open up this way to like a new uh, this you know secret area that lets me get through this space without getting hurt or whatever. And and oftentimes like you know I love watching um, things like uh, awesome games done quick or whatever these speed runs where you see these people kind of break the way a game behaves in order to. To can they exploit like flaws in it? And and Axiom Verge, like I'm not a speedrunner, but Axiom Verge at all was a game that kind of gave me a little bit of that feeling of oh I'm transgressing the boundaries of the game and do, you know and like manipulating it for myself. And that was just that was what kind of made it for me just different enough from old Metroid games while still being very much you know rooted in in that design. Uh, style to feel like okay this is also something different and and special and really interesting in its own right yeah when i had i I saw this game a bit ago and i i heard the word of mouth started going around we're like this is a really good game and initially it doesn't Mm -hmm. just from a distance and i could be totally wrong the visuals didn't really grab me enough where i'm like i like i know it's a metroidvania game there's a lot of those out there and visually it wasn't really grabbing me so i'm like oh you back burner but i've heard so many good things about it at this point and just how it does Metroid so well and better than so many of the uh, the games that came after it that, yeah, more and more I I think I need to play this game and have only heard good things. And this is one of those cases where I wish I had played this to make a better argument, you know, for or against. But mm-hmm. from the passion that I've heard, you know, both of you talk about it and from the other people I've heard, I think this is definitely, you know, a Metroidvania game that stands out as, you know, much more than just a simple clone or anything like that. And especially mm-hmm. since its mechanics work so well, so... I am fine with adding this to the list. I I think this would be in every site in person's top five if it was the same game, but it was made by Nintendo. Really? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it's so good that people would be, I mean, anyone who plays it is still almost having that same reaction, but because it's still an indie game, it doesn't have that reach of like Metroid Verge. Yeah. Like if it was that, like it really would, people would be freaking out. Because it is, it's it's really good. It's like, it's stunning, and the music is so good. The music is so good. <laughs> All this podcast is going to do is just make me spend a lot of money on games that I have not played yet. All right, I'm I'm going to bold this one. I I think that's a good a good argument. I think that's our third game so far on this. Whoa, list. this list is going really well. For I know me. that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm three for three. This this will really get to be nitty and gritty when we have like. 12 games oh yeah have to start cutting when i'm up again i'm definitely gonna do something pick a weird game i have a weird game that i'm gonna use third (laughs) that i don't want to discuss now because i'm just gonna get to an argument okay um ian this is uh your first game what do you want to add to this list all right just to uh just to even things uh, shake things up a little bit i wasn't going to do the game that nobody's gonna agree with but i'm going to (laughs) and i'm going to do arc survival evolved which isn't even released yet it's still in uh early access arc is well, it was the most popular game on Steam uh, for a while. I don't know if it still is. It's still up there. Um, it's popular enough that they've actually been having PvP tournaments uh, for big money, like I think like $175,000 or something like that. And it's just in early access. That's how well it's sold. 
basically it is a survival game which has been rather in vogue particularly um with uh small development houses on steam um and it twists things a little bit uh in two ways one you are a person who is stuck on an island which is filled with dinosaurs and you can tame the dinosaurs you can tame any of the dinosaurs um and you can ride them and eat people and it's completely fucking amazing you can get on your t-rex or like with a pack of raptors you can have 20 dinosaurs tamed following you when you go into battle with other people who have spent all their hard-earned time and money um taming their t-rex and you can tear it all down so how um, just be, i'm sorry to interrupt but because i i i want to know a little more about this game sure like what how do you like how do you tame a dinosaur is there okay. like a, is it so involved that's, that's a, a real life hero yeah how do you tame a dinosaur yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's okay still, right. finally finally yeah. i'm getting the answer <laughs> okay so so when you start playing the game you are uh you're wearing a loincloth and you have nothing yeah. and um, in the process of, first of all, you have to basically punch trees and then make things out of the wood that you get. You know, like I said, it's a very basic by numbers survival sure. game in this yeah. sense. Right. You start, and it's got you, an, start out, you start with nothing. Yes. Right. And you've got an internal um, uh, tech tree, right? So like as you level up, then you learn how to create new things. And eventually what you learn to do is you learn how to uh, tranquilize dinosaurs and then okay. you feed them meat. And the bigger the dinosaur, the more meat oh, okay. that you have to feed them. And then yes. eventually, after you feed them enough, um, they they become tagged to you, and then they follow sure. you around as your pets. Okay. Um, the other way that it that it work that it kind of shifts things is that it works, right? And I don't want to disparage other survival games, but usually what happens is that you get these small dev teams, and uh, their reach exceeds their grasp. You know, they 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 start out really well. Um, you know, they build what looks to be like an ambitious project and then it kind of lingers and is either never finished or it's never actually good. Ark was kind of crazy in that it had all of the ambition that these other open world survival games have, but it actually worked. It worked the second I plugged it in and I think it picked it up like one month post early access release. And not only does it work, but the team has not lost any steam in the year that in the roughly year that it has been out in early access like they keep adding things patches were coming for a while like almost every every 12 hours and now they're coming like at least once a week and they keep adding things and refining things so it's early access but it's really altered the way that i think about both survival games it stands out from the pack of those for a lot of reasons both its setting and its technology and its technical execution and it's made and it's changed the way that I think about early access games. Uh, prior to this, the only early access, early access game that I had invested in that I felt good about was Prison Architect, and that took three years to come out. And these these people are making this really ambitious survival game. It looks good. It works well. It's got a unique spin on things, and it's been working since the word go. And that's yeah. pretty. Neat. I mean, right. So I'm not. I've never been a big player of any game in the survival genre of you know i think of the whatever we uh however far back that goes but this game you know sounds like it is not because for a while there were a lot of clones like oh this is just another you know okay you're in the world and there's zombies and whatever kind of yeah uh, games coming out so you know this game sounds like it is it is uh, doing something really different and kind of crazy and ambitious well yeah, with with that uh, with that idea, and 
I mean, I have to say the idea of, of charging into battle with like, you know, 20 little dinosaurs behind you or whatever sounds pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, it's, I, I have not, I honestly had heard basically nothing about this game um, before this podcast, but I, I, you know, this sounds like a, a game that is interesting enough and successful enough to, uh, to be, to be in the running, um, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, all I'd really heard before was just, like, how popular it was. And I had seen a couple of videos with, like, dude punching a tree, which immediately grabbed my attention. Um, <laughs> I apologize if you already mentioned this, but ha- were you really into survival games at all beforehand? Like, Minecraft no. or anything like that? No, not even, not even Minecraft. So, like... were you really down on them before? Or was this just, like, I'm kind of indifferent, and then you decided to try art? I was neutral on them. I mean, okay. it, 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 was, it was the kind of thing that interested me. Um, I like Dwarf Fortress, which is obviously... A different game but it's it's kind of a survival sim right yeah so, so, so i like the idea of doing a survival sim where you have to build your own things and start from scratch and stuff like that it's just that the, te- that the technical execution of them has always left me cold they've just never done it for me and some friends of mine were playing this and they said hey you really need to check this out and i was like oh shut up you know there's there's 30 survival sims out there so i did because it was like, yeah, you know, whatever. I got thirty dollars to burn. I'll check it out, and it blew me away. Like I was immediately hooked. Mm-hmm. It, it was crazy. Yeah, because I think survival game is starting to approach that MOBA or MMO level of like when I hear a game is that in that genre, I just kind of you know gloss over and I'm like, well, it's another one of those. But right, yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's able to grab you in a way, and and I mean, the genre shouldn't like disqualify it from anything. And if it's doing something creative and original and interesting, and it hooked you into a genre that you didn't really care about before. I mean, that's pretty impressive all on its own. Uh, I guess, so I, I wrote about this for GamesBeat. I've never played it, but I wrote about it for GamesBeat because they're, of the tournament they're holding, which sounds crazy to make this an eSport. So I watched some of the competition, and it's it's kind of amazing. Like, everything you said sounds completely true, and that this is, uh, this is far beyond the other survival games from what I've seen. My only, like, problem, question, uh, is it's early access. Yeah. And... Uh. That's like, why I, I, don't know, I was I don't coming know, in. Yeah, I don't know if, if we would include games that aren't technically done. Um, um, that would be the one, the one hang-up, I think. I, me, personally, I am mostly lenient on that. Um, if a game is like just entering early access and a big old hot mess, well, then it wouldn't be on this list. But also, like, if it's not even close to done, then I have to take a little bit of like, umbrage with that. But I would be okay with putting... <laughs> A game that is has been on early access for a while and is you know really close to approaching release on this list, but I would also understand if everyone else here was like, no fuck that, no early access games. <laughs> Mostly, I just want to give it game of the year two years in a row. So. <laughs> yeah, that's always the weird thing because like <laughs> Minecraft, I think I started playing Minecraft like two years before it came out. Like it, right. it, it is one of the weird things because then it comes out and it's like, well now it's eligible and it's like, well we already we already celebrated that exactly. Game. And uh, um, Nuclear Throne is going to have a similar uphill battle potentially, since it it just became finished. Yeah, and Kerbal Space Program just released. Oh, that's this the year. other. So yeah. yeah, that's and that's the, that is the problem though, is that you really enjoy like if this is Ian's game of the year for 2015, like it's when it actually releases, it might not place. be in the list because you know it's it, you well, played you know, it in that year. I, I was thinking, and and this is this is not. This is not about Ark, but it is about these style of games. But I was thinking about how how everything has big patches, and you get these big, long, early access cycles and stuff like that. Like, I easily could have given um, Diablo 3's new season mode 
uh, you know, top five game of the year because it just made like a completely new game. I'm playing, I'm playing the shit out of the new Dwarf Fortress patch like I always do. That could easily be my game of the year. I'm going to play it more in the next two weeks than probably anything else I've played this year. Um, it's just, you know, you get these games reinventing themselves. You get these, these early access cycles. Um, you know, it, it, it changes the way we think about, you know, best game of the year. I would have given Prison Architect one of my top games of the year last year, but I wouldn't do it this year, which is the year that it actually released, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, personally, like, I am okay. We're also playing this pretty fast and loose in terms of, like, them not too many hard rules, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, if we put it on the, if we put it on the list this year... We're not, we we can't put it on the list of the second annual Freelancer Game of the Year awards next year, powered by Funyuns. We you know all... what? We're not sure if they're powered by Funyuns next year. It's only a one-time deal so far. We only have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking okay. for that Pringle money next year, but right yeah, now we got no, Funyuns. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I, yeah, this, this will make it ineligible when it actually comes out. But I sure. promise that I will not nominate it next year. <laughs> I swear no, I will not kill anybody. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whatever. Sure, this is you know we're making this up as we go along. Like I said, we're whatever. I don't care. I'm it's fine with me. If if you want to fight this battle now, then I will. Go. I'll take it. I'll I'll take it to the mat. All right. I'm gonna bolt this game, and I actually am going to probably buy this after this podcast. So, Ark Survival Evolved is going to go on this list tentatively for now. So so far, we've had very few fights, mainly because we all kind of chose. Like really interesting, yeah. good games right off the bat. <laughs> um, yes. And I'm going to still avoid the big argument now. Well, this might okay. result in an argument, but I have a bigger one for later. Um, I think that uh, Bloodborne is one of the ten best games this year. Get out! <laughs> I thought you were going to say ever, and I still wasn't going to argue. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am. I've loved the Souls games in the past. I've you know, played everything, but. So I haven't played uh, Dark Souls 2 yet, which I'm not sure if I'm really... At this point, mm, I would say take a pass on it. Yeah, I think that's... I think it's like the one you can... I mean, yep. yeah, like Dark Souls 2 resonated with me really deeply on a personal level, and I've written lots of blog posts about why. Like, there's a particular NPC... Like, I think lore-wise and in terms of the... Yeah, like some of the NPCs that you interact with, there's a lot of good stuff there, but the locations just aren't nearly as memorable and evocative... It's just not nearly as good a game as. But Bloodborne you know. is is super good. Bloodborne is yeah, super good. Yeah, Bloodborne. And like it, when you from when you first hear like we are going to replace the shield with a gun, it sounds like it could be a complete disaster. Especially the way I played that, I was super defensive in a lot of uh, the like initial games. But it it gives it a faster pace without making it feel too different. It still feels like one of those games, but it's just quicker and you're moving uh, faster and mm-hmm. the enemies are much more elusive and it just the combat feels fantastic to me um i think i mean the story is still mostly like obfuscated it's it's there if you want it but it's not really in your face but thematically it's just extremely dark and that victorian london setting is super interesting and architecturally fascinating and this is one of the few games i i've always struggled um playing a game, beating it, and then jumping right back into it. I just don't. Usually when I'm done with the game, I'm done with the game, um, mm-hmm. which is a, that's just how I've always been. This one, I, as soon as I beat it, I immediately started up the New Game Plus and put another 40 hours right back into it. And I I have like a 500 uh, gigabyte PS4, and so I have to delete a lot of games and uninstall yeah. games um, yeah. in order to download new ones. I cannot uninstall Bloodborne because I'm like, at any, at any point, I could see myself jumping back in and just being immediately hooked again. And 
I've always loved uh, these games co-op. There's some weird kind of like journey where you don't really know that person. They're, yeah. You're communicating through slashing walls or doing weird dances or bowing at them. But uh, tackling bosses after you play through it once and trying it with cooperative partners to see what strategies they may use and having those moments where you're about to win and right at the very end, like the boss slashes oh, your friend off like the cliff. So crushing. And then, oh my yeah, God. Then you're avenging them. You're like, no, you yeah. asshole. And then you oh, go yeah. back and try to do that. It's, this is one of my favorite, once again, it's not a souls game, but it is technically a souls game. It's one of my favorite and I just couldn't stop playing it. And this was during the point where I was freelancing freelance reviews for like, like one every week, maybe like three a month or something like that. And I would, I know there's no coverage involved with this, but I could not stop playing it. Mm-hmm. And that's very rare for me. So bloodborne hooked me in a way that few games have. There's one other on this list that I'll bring up later, but uh, yeah, I think bloodborne is just fantastic. So the thing that I kind of, the thing that stays with me most about bloodborne is, you know, I went into it expecting, okay, it's going to do the kind of Gothic, you know the gothic uh london thing there's gonna be like werewolves and you know like those kinds of creatures that we largely associate with you know with maybe a kind of grim Mm -hmm. you know victorian uh setting but then like as i as you go literally like you're kind of it's this journey downward right in a way like you kind of are literally going further and further down and i just felt like like no, like no game has subverted my expectations more than this game in terms of where that journey was going to take me. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of games I think have kind of themes of a character uh, 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 being overcome by madness or like, you know, delving into madness. But this game actually felt like I was kind of, I was kind of sinking into madness because suddenly it's like, there's this, I mean, this place where, what are these fucking like alien things that that suck my face and suck my uh, my insight or whatever? And oh, the I hate concept. That. The concept of insight is just so brilliant because it's like you're kind of going insane, and that insanity is like helping you see what's happening around you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's this. It, it's just. It's so perfect. Like. Yeah, like the truth kind of drives you mad. I felt so just disoriented and so surprised by by some of the locations and some of the situations that that game took me to where it, you know, it was truly like, I mean, it's not like a scary game in this to me. I mean, there's there were times where I was really terrified. Yeah, but, some of those but, enemies are but, horrifying but, looking yeah, at the noises like, they make. Oh, yeah. Like, so it's, it's not the, it's not in any way like cheap kind of, uh, scares that I think a lot of games might might rely on but a but a, a kind of fear that really gets inside or got inside my head to the point where I was questioning like you know the the kind of reality of anything that I was seeing and you know is it is it my imagination that these enemies eyes are glowing red now and they didn't before or is that like something to do with the insight or you know what the hell is going on here you know so i kind of had this whole even though it, it reminded me in a little bit little of like eternal darkness yeah. in the way that it kind of played with my head a little bit in terms of like i wasn't always trusting my own experiences completely and um and so in that like and that ties in so well with what the souls games at their best 
do is that they feel more like a battle with yourself in a, in a lot of ways than with the enemies on screen because it's you know you have to be cautious you have if you if you get reckless if you you know then you end up dead and it's not really like it's often it's not the boss that i blame for my death it's myself it's like why the fuck did i did i do that why didn't i just you know oh totally approach yeah it differently and and so and so every little bit of uh power and strength that you gain feels really hard fought and hard won which makes it all the more rewarding and yeah i just think uh bloodborne is yeah incredible i totally agree about the bosses too where you, you, there's no there's a couple times where you might feel like oh, yeah. a I mean, little I, bit cheap but most of the time yeah, yeah, it, it sure. is this battle with yourself and how you you know what moves you make and whether or not you, you, as soon as you do a big swing you're, you can be yeah. like fuck i shouldn't before even yeah. the animation finishes, you're like, bad move. And yeah, yeah. bosses yeah. in this game are massive and terrifying and awesome and interesting looking. And the more you look at the details in Bloodborne, the more you kind of invest yourself in it and immerse yourself in it, I feel like the more you get back. The difficulty, of course, is still there. But in this game, I feel like it was toned down a little bit to a point where that's what kept me going even more, where I, there weren't as many deaths where I would just get so frustrated I had to put the controller down. Every death felt like, okay, that was my fault. Let me get back in there and keep going and keep pushing. And I, mm -hmm. I fucking love Bloodborne. We should bold it. All right, yeah, that's great. Because anyone like, else? <laughs> we could talk about Bloodborne all day, but I really do think this is this is a top ten game. And now that I bold this, that means we are currently at five games so far. Look at this. This is easy. What people always talk about how long these conversations are. This is nothing. Ah! Uh, <laughs> so so far, just to quickly recap, um, the five games we have are Rocket League, Bloodborne. Axiom Verge, Ark, Survival Evolved, and Super Mario Maker, which is a really cool list so far. Um, so let's uh, throw it back over to you, Carolyn. And okay, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I could play it safe and get another easy win under my belt, but I'm gonna go for a sort of outlier, uh, I think, on a game that I put on this list, um, which is uh, the Swindle. And um, so the Swindle is a game that I think a lot of people just didn't play, or if they did play, it, it's not a game that is <laughs> that immediately makes its systems known to the player. And so there is very much this kind of uphill struggle in terms of figuring out like how to really even play the game, and you're you presented with this with this kind of overwhelming assortment of upgrade opportunities that you don't really know what, what they do. And it takes some, some time and, you know, experimentation to come to grips with what the game is and how it works. But it is, for me, it is possibly the best heist themed game of all time in terms of capturing for me, like the vicarious thrill of, of a heist that I've experienced in say so many films from watching characters, you know, just uh, that, that kind of, on the edge of your seat tension where any where even one false move will just spell complete disaster so in the swindle um which has this really uh, uh a charming sort of steampunk uh art style yeah i love the way that game looks so the, the the core concept of the game you are a like career criminal and you and so scotland yard you know the police force uh, in 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 the london of of uh the game is is um creating this surveillance device called, I think it's called the Queen's Basilisk. And if the, if the Queen's Basilisk is brought online, the surveillance, the surveillance capabilities of it will be so complete that basically it will put an end to thieves such as yourself, you know, forever. There will just it'll be not possible for you to, for you to work. So the, 
goal of this game is to infiltrate Scotland Yard's compound and make off with the basilisk itself. Um, and uh, before you can do that, you have to go from, you have to kind of work your way up to it because you have to start in like the poor neighborhoods, get enough money to get the gear that'll let you take on the next neighborhood and, you know, repeat that process uh, for a while. So in this game, like, um, you, one thing I love is that you can kind of case the joints that you're gonna, uh, gonna um, infiltrate um, by kind of just running, you know, like running around on the outside. You can get a feel of like the lay of the land. You start to see, okay, what types of enemies are in there? What types of traps? What types of situations am I going to confront? You have such a wide, eventually, you know, such a wide variety of tools that you can use in any situation that you really start to kind of feel like a, um, you know, like a, a gadget master in like a heist film or whatever who, who, who has like the perfect tool at their disposal for every situation, but but at the same time, like you, every death is like a one hit kill, like always in this game. So, and you know, if you you might be like seventy five percent done clearing a place out, and then get get you know hit by some little robot, and all the money that you've collected just goes like exploding out of your body and like this like this explosion of confetti. And it's this really painful moment of seeing everything that you've worked so hard to acquire just get just get immediately lost because you, you know, you you played it a little too risky. You didn't leave when you had the chance or whatever. But there's always all these incentives to not leave to to get every scrap of money that you can out of a out of a place because Anyway, it gives you experience bonuses, and which leads to more money, and so on and so forth. Um, anyway, like, it's just a game that requires so much patience and so much precision, but rewards it um, so well, I think. Like, um, infiltrating the uh, Scotland Yard compound and making off with the Basilisk was, uh, you know, which I did once, um, was such, it, it was just such a, a tense and nerve-wracking experience and like successfully pulling it off the game is just i think so well designed that you know successfully pulling it off and making it out of there by just the skin of my teeth is like one of the most rewarding gaming experiences i've had in in the past you know few years because it, it's it just ultimately like yeah the design just just comes together to to so well create or foster that feeling of yeah, of like you're really skilled thief, but you know that the there's all kinds of laser barriers and and guards and all kinds of things in your way, and so overcoming them makes you feel like you know like a like a, some kind of you know genius, like criminal, master criminal. But but it can all always just go wrong so quickly. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think the swindle is. Uh, a, a really terrific uh, game. Yeah, and I know that it, the, like the tension of a heist is something that's difficult to capture in a video game, and it seems like the swindle does that really well, building on its mechanics and showing you uh, kind of level to level, like, you know, here's how you do this, here's how you get by this, here's how you set up yeah. this, and then kind and of culminating... Each... Right. And each area, you know, as you go from like district to district of London, like each area has new types of enemies, that then you have to contend with and figure out, okay, how do I deal with with these enemies, how do they behave? Oh my God, these enemies can hear me. These enemies like will, will come rushing if I make noise. Like that's a, that's a new thing. Or, I mean, it's constantly, you know, you, you just, when you kind of start to feel like you're getting comfortable with things, it will introduce new things that make it, that, you know, that make, uh, 
that make you realize that you you can't you can't get comfortable. And also, it's just you know it's really charming in the way that it randomly generates like a, a new thief for you each time you die. They just ha and they they're men and women, you know, people of color, and they have all they have just such colorful, also like procedurally generated names, and you know you can kind of get attached to to one of them. You know, you maybe pull off like some successful heist and then and then they die and it's you know it's it you know you feel it because you you really had had gotten a little attached to that little old that little old lady cat burglar of yours <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so and there's another game that's on my list of games that i really do want to play uh, i've seen quite a bit of it but haven't been able to you know really dig into it so i think this one looks really cool um, yeah. And there aren't enough really great heist games. This seems like one of the better ones that's come out. Uh, Tom and Ian, have either of you guys played this game? I played it like ten or fifteen hours. It's it's hard, so I never I it didn't it didn't click for me quite like it did Caro, mm -hmm. like it did for Caro. Um, even though I was like super hyped before release, I, I'm gonna go back to it at some point. But yeah, I never did figure out how to be good at it. <laughs> I guess. Tom, when you when you figure out how to be good at it, you will understand how great this game actually is once it I clicks know. for you. I know that's I, I feel bad that I it never that I gave up on it and went back to Spelunky because it it seems. <laughs> but isn't that every game for you where eventually you just go back to Spelunky? Well, I don't always I mean, give up though. <laughs> I do always go back though. But wasn't I mean with your experience with Dark Souls wasn't it like that? Like you 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 played it yeah. and it didn't and it didn't really click for you and then like it was well, like, like a year, year later. later. Yeah, yeah, a year later, and then it was like, oh my god, this game is amazing, right? And I'm not, I'm not putting the swindle up there with Dark Souls. It's a much smaller game with very different aims. But I think that if you, you know, I think that there's a real chance there that if and if you if you played it enough for it to click. Oh no, with you, I don't, I don't deny that at all. It's it, there, yeah. there does seem like there's a real chance. I just need to go back to it. Yeah, I mean, because it it seemed great, but I it didn't, it wasn't transcendent like I was kind of expecting and hoping. Mm. But it might be if I played it more. So it's it's hard for me to have a definitive take on okay. this it's like i gave up yeah and a lot of this is going to end up some people saying you know it's hard to have a definitive take so for me with the argument yeah. you made i am comfortable putting this tentatively on a like bold it so that we can have that final conversation with like when we have like 12 games at the end so i'm sure i'm cool with doing that yeah. uh, as long as everyone oh. else is so. I don't have any objections. I got an early access game on. So, <laughs> no, yeah, that, that, a lot of this ends up being like I got my game on, so I'm okay letting you have your game. <laughs> on. Uh, well, but thank you. Yeah, I think the swindle should be on here. So I'm going right, to put cool. that as our sixth game. Okay, um, great. Yeah, and I think that's a good argument for it. So, uh, Tom, do you have a game you would like to add? I have two. Um, well, say, pick it. Can you say A or B, and then I'll I'll choose which one corresponds with it. So I don't. Yeah, have to B. Pick. Okay, so there's this game called Emily's Away, and I think it's on. Was it Ichi? Ichi? What's it? Yeah, what's it Ichi, called? It, yeah, it, yeah, Ichi or Ichi? I don't know how to say it, but so it's, it's one a... of those like pay what you want indie games, and I paid a buck for it. And what it does is it kind of emulates what an AOL Messenger chats window looks like. From I think it actually takes place from 2003 to 2006. And when you say emu when you say emulates, I mean like the sound effects are the real sound effects, and and the period details, like like for each season of the game, you choose like a like a an icon, and they're like, oh, it, there's like oh the the you know Lord of the Rings like, you know themed yeah, icon. Like I, chose, or I chose an, an HP, and then there was like a Nemo in there that I chose also. Yeah, finding Nemo. So yeah, I think it's 2002 to 2006. It's it's like a five year Something stretch like that. from. 
senior year of high school through senior year of college and, and you have conversations on the internet with a girl named Emily who you're friends with and yes. most likely romantically interested in, though you don't make a move. So, I mean, the, the gameplay consists of she types something and you have three choices and it's like, you know, you know, yes, no, maybe. And so you select, you hit you hit a number and then instead of it just like popping up like a Bioware game, you instead like manually type. And it doesn't matter what you type, but it's like the act of typing makes you feel like you're actually having a conversation. And you see the letters appear in front of you. And then sometimes you'll be like, oh, I really care about you. And then you'll delete it and go like, a lot of people care about you and change it. So it's not oh, as interesting. Personal. So it's it's things like that. But just as, as someone who, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a lazy way to do it, but I, I relate to this. Mm. So I found it very honest and very real and very poignant. Um, and, and there's multiple paths the story can go, and I've played it like you know three or four times now, and it's and it's a really affecting game, and it's the kind of game like my wife doesn't play games, for instance, but it's the kind of game where I would like love to show it to my wife and be like, see, this is what games are. These are the kind of feelings games can engender beyond, you know, the empowerment of something like uh, Bloodborne, which I love. Like this is like the the soft, quiet, emotional core that that I I kind of need in my entertainment um, ultimately, and this is why I read and watch movies also. So it's it, it's something that is it is really affecting for me, uh, and yeah, I mean I, I've gone back to it multiple times just to kind of t- try to have a better outcome, I guess, something that I was not able to do in real life, but I'm going to try to take advantage of it in a game. It was it was impactful for me. I would say, I mean, for me, uh, I I I also think it's I think it is one of those like important. I mean. Important is kind of this heavy word that makes it sound like oh games for games for impact games for change or whatever and I and I don't think that it that it needs that kind of like disclaimer or whatever I think it's just like oh this is a this is a game that just tells a an intimate like human story and that is a thing that games we're seeing more and more games can do and they can do it in in ways that are unique to games you know ways that they can approach it differently from from film or or books or, or what have you. And so one of the most affecting things about this game for, for me was the thing that Tom mentioned, you know, like, yeah, so you, the player, might kind of make a choice and then the, the player character will start wording it one way and maybe you can see them, you can feel them, like, hesitate and reconsider and like, oh, God, the, are the words I'm using too strong? Is this going to be too, is this going to be awkward? Is this going to be weird? So then you see it, like, delete, 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 and, like, like alter the 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 sentence in progress to to kind of make it softer or more uh you know less threatening or something before sending it and that to me was just such a human detail and something you know as someone who always certainly chose my words very carefully and was always really worried about the impression i might make like that uh, that really resonated with me um this game isn't on our list but i think we should talk about uh, in, in well, I'm not done talking them. about. Oh, we're, sorry. Yeah, we're not okay. moving on to oh, really? a different game. We're not were you about to mention her story? What were you about to mention? No, no, no. Susie no. mentioned Sybil. Okay. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, oh, I, like there was like one. There was like one part where I was like, I wanted to talk about things more personal, and like yeah. I'd select that, and then like he would type something out, my character, and then he would delete it and be like, "Have you seen any good movies lately?" Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like I would yeah. do it again. I would select it, and and it would and she'd be like, "Have you seen any good?" music lately and it, and it was like, like just, so just trying like, to yeah 
like just because he types it out and he's like, no, I can't say that. Have you seen like, and it's just like, I don't know. I've, I've done that many times. This sounds super cool, like and relatable in a way where, I mean, you've already sold me on it and I'm going to download this game, but and like buy this game. But yeah, that's a dollar. Yes, yeah, dollar, dollar on it. Price. Oh, my God. Yeah, I it, it is just from a male perspective. So you have to keep that in mind. Like it doesn't seem like it, it changes that much mm-hmm. or it is from like the You know, you're trying to, to be with the girl, Emily basically yeah. but um yeah i mean considering that that is my perspective it was easy for me to, to understand it yeah so it, it is it is very yeah if you want to talk about sybil i mean sybil's a little i just briefly want to talk about sybil because it's uh sybil is is uh really it's it's a it's also it's similarly like a period piece it's set like on an in an mmo like kind of in the i think the late it's based off of final fantasy um whatever the online one is the yeah 11 yeah 11 yeah. or 14 i guess it's 11. Right. Okay. It's the first one. Um, so, and that's, you know, from a, a woman's perspective, it's actually very much an autobiographical tale of, of its creators, like Nina Freeman, who, you know, is a game designer and she's working on Tacoma at Fulbright right now and stuff. And I imagine that Emily is away is very much an autobiographical uh, experience from the got the man who created, who created that and game. That, so, um, so I, I mean, um, Sybil's not, it's not a game where you have like, choices it's the, the you know the story is what it is but it does capture a, a particular kind of connection that i think a lot of people and it's you know you can explore like nina's desktop and see who she becomes over time like these photos and as she kind of awakens to different things in, in her life as the years go on or the months pass and everything. So these two games seem like interesting companion pieces to each other, you mm-hmm. know, one from a man's perspective, one from a woman's, two relationships that happen in this kind of ephemeral internet um, space. I mean, um, Emily is Away was, for me, I think as well, just because of the the choices that you can make and because of that particular detail that we talked about of the writing and then deleting and rewriting, like resonated um a bit more deeply with me but um i just i'm i'm just excited that again the games like this the stories like this are becoming you know more commonly told in games and that this is becoming something that we that i think more and more we understand that games can do and we expect them i to do i hope that you know we we don't that people don't just want or only consider the... I, I'm hoping that there'll be fewer discussions as the years go on of, well, that's not really a game. Yeah, is because, this a video game yeah, or something like, like at, that? Like at a certain point, like as the, these become more commonplace, it's just like, no, these are also games, and, and this type of storytelling and this type of interaction is something totally valid that games can and should do and that has real value on its, on its own terms. You've both sold me in terms of, <laughs> I, I, I want to now play this. Like the swindle i it, it sounds really interesting and i, I i've you know, seen some like I, i'd never heard of emily's away before but these are games now that i want to play and sound super interesting and unique and i am okay with adding emily is away onto this list and like i said we'll buy it afterward so i think we should bold it cool so tom you've convinced me it's really it's really good <laughs> <laughs> it sounds cool that i wish i could remember the name of the creator i think it's kyle something i'm blanking yeah, these, this this is the year of the one person made this. Yeah, yeah. Sybil, and it's like was was her story a lot of the best. One yeah, one one maybe, yeah. mostly. I mean, Sam Barlow wrote the whole thing, and yeah, and, but it wouldn't have been the same without Viva Seaford because she okay. was incredible in it. Yeah, so that's a, yeah. yeah. So the the creator of Emily is away is Kyle Seeley. Yeah, he's 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 good. 
all, yeah. like all the best writing of the year has been in Undertale. We haven't talked about yet. It's been like just one, just one person writing. Yeah, just one person doing it. Great. Um, yeah, I think let's let's add that. It's already been bolded. So that's Woo-hoo! our uh, seventh game so far. You know, the the more that I'm looking at this list, the more I think it's going to be near impossible to actually like cut rank something? these. Well, cut cut these and rank these on a scale of like here, like. <laughs> here's an example like i think bloodborne is the third best game and emily is away is the fourth like that's going to be a weird looking so we can all yeah, talk but... about this maybe where in, instead of i don't know we could do like this is our definitive game of the year here is the runner-up and here are the other eight games uh or it depends really how much we want to argue about this in the end yeah well we'll see yeah what am i when i whenever i think about like like game of the year discussion so the the first real discussion i had was at GameSpot, and like the first year before the first game of the year discussion like how the process like how i was taught um what to kind of expect or anticipate out of the process was that um sean mckinnis my you know colleague former colleague at GameSpot, said to me something like oh okay well hey caro you know how right now you you don't want to kill you don't want to punch chris waters in the face who's sitting right next to you you know how you don't have that desire uh yeah that's gonna that's gonna change (laughs) (laughs) and then okay all right yeah i I get i get what to expect from game of the year uh discussions now we've been civil (sighs) so far this has been a rational civil conversation this is shocking um so that puts it now. Let's see if we keep this civil. Uh, Ian, what's what's the next game you want to add to this really cool list so far? I'm gonna swing this completely the opposite way. Oh God! In like Emily's way, and I'm gonna go with The Witcher Three. It is. Let me let, let me use a really recent anecdote because I I picked Witcher Three up to. I, I just want to illustrate the impact this game has had uh, uh, on people. I think professionally uh, with the the scope of what they achieved with that game um i just picked it back up i got like two-thirds of the way through and then life kind of blew up um so i kind of put it aside but i said okay once the once the glut is over uh, i'm going to pick it back up and i'm just going to wallow in it so i'm playing it a friend of mine i won't out him but he's a game designer at a very high profile studio and he messages me and he says you're playing witcher 3 and i say yeah i'm playing it again and then he proceeded to tell me how frustrated he was because he can't figure out the way they did everything that they did in that game so well, right? Like he was floored by the scope and the execution and the pacing and everything else. It from for me, and and I want to say that Witcher Three is probably not my game of the year. <laughs> like like this sounds weird to say, given the depth of the praise I'm I, I, I'm I give it. Um, I wrote this article uh, for Paste about how the game, it it was the first game of that style that I'd ever played that really communicated the human condition. Like usually what what ends up happening is you have the sandbox style game and it's, um, it's very full of things, but it's not very full of people. And in the meantime, I'm looking at these people in Witcher 3 and they have zits and pockmarks and their pores are a little bit too big. And the voice acting is such that they talk like real people, like they're not reading lines. And the pacing of the story is, even though I'm fighting like werewolves and, uh, you know, ghouls, the pacing is such that it feels very real in a way that games like Fallout 4 never ever did for me. It's just, it's the most human feeling game 
uh, that that I've ever played. It feels like good literature to me. And I can't quite, like, like I have a very hard time verbalizing exactly why it feels so literary to me. It's like, I'll just catch a scene. You know, I, you know, I think about like the Bloody Baron, right? Which is the one that everybody, that's, that's a quest that everybody talked about because it dealt with domestic abuse and, uh, and miscarriage and these things that you just don't see games talk about, but it was presented in a way um it was presented as artfully as a third-person game could present such a subject, if that makes sense, right? Like, usually I think that when we want our art to speak on things of that gravity, uh, we tend to usually want something like, you know, Emily is Away, you know, where we get these, like, deeply personal, you know, auteurist um, explorations of something that we have firsthand experience with. Whereas The Witcher treated these things, these, these controversial um not always nice things in a way that felt both believable but had a very tender touch that I think that you sometimes miss in uh in in, in those third person actiony games. Yeah, cuz I mean I I I played um probably 25 hours of The Witcher 3, which seems like a weird number cuz that definitely is not enough to beat it. Uh I have always struggled this is just my quick two cents about it. I've always struggled with um really massive open world games with a lot to do on it because I get very easily overwhelmed um I was, it is definitely too big, yeah. and, and that is probably why it's not what I would consider, like, as good as it is, as singularly unique an experience as I had playing that game, I couldn't put it as the best game of the year just because there's just too much, and there's more coming, which is just crazy to me. Yeah, and I think the stuff that's in there is still really, like, the side quests are much more detailed and interesting than most side quests that you'd find mm-hmm. for me than like compared to like an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout, but uh, Carolyn, it sounded like you were going to mention something kind of about the... Maybe oh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I played, uh, I, I haven't played enough of it. I, I, you know, got it when it came out. I think I've played maybe 15 hours of it and then sort of got, you know, as happens, I got uh, overwhelmed with other things. And I did sort of say, well, maybe around the holidays, you know, I'll have time to come back to this game and really give it the time and the attention that it deserves and really just get, get, you know, lost in it. Um, I, I, I just, you know, uh, what what Ian was saying, what you were saying early on about the human uh, element of it, the one thing that that stood out to me in my first few hours with the game was just the the faces of the people that I meet in that world and how, like, like I I, I hadn't really thought much before about how characters in many games uh, or you know a lot of these games kind of have this even, you know, this sort of blandly attractive kind of standard sort of look to to them, like no matter if they're kings or peasants or whatever. And the people that I encountered in this world all, for the most part, look like, okay, these are people who have been weathered by time. Like, these are people who have done hard work. They have lived lives and they are, you know, like you can kind of see it in their in their faces, right? These are not... Uh, people who look, you know, glamorous or or sterile or whatever. Like these are people who, who I sort of believe, ex- you know, w- might actually exist in the world that this game is creating. I thought that was that was noteworthy. So I I, I have one objection with with Witcher. I've only played three hours of it, um, and I just <laughs> I I have, and there's and there's a reason for that. Um, there the. Because all the stuff that you explained, uh, I totally believe it. Because you even see hints of that like early on in the game, 
like the story and the world are incredible but the huge barrier to enjoy that is that the combat is at best oh, mediocre yeah. and from my perspective it's bad no, that to me is is because i mean because i mean we're gonna we're gonna talk about life is strange at some point so life is strange as a game that also has great characters and great world and there's no barrier to it like if you're making a game that has a great story like let me enjoy that story and if there was a, a non-combat mode i would do it so i feel like you know bloodborne it's story it's atmosphere you don't have to like that's what it is and it doesn't have any barrier to enjoy it like this game is an active huge problem that prevents me from enjoying it i'm i, I was act, I'm, I'm i'm immensely sympathetic to that because the first two witchers i picked them up on one of those massive steam sales and i got them for like seven bucks i lasted 20 minutes in the first Witcher and like two hours in the second one, right? Because the combat was so bad, I thought that I was just like, you know what? The story could be amazing. The, the story wasn't good enough to hook me. I, I, I firmly hold to like the 20 minute rule where something has to grab me within 20 minutes or it's just, it's going back on the shelf. Um, so yeah, like, like I, I get it. But for me, man, it was that, that like... Mm. I met that dude on the road and like the, he was hiding from the Griffin and he comes out and I just see him and I'm like, these look like real people. And I like, that was it. I was hooked. Tom, I mean, uh, I just to, you know, just to have this discussion a little bit or, or I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate or what, but like um, you really loved Fallout New Vegas, right? I mean, yep. Uh, was I think that it's, a, it's, the, it's probably my favorite Western RPG. Was that a game where, I mean, was it, because I guess I, I guess what I guess the point that I'm making. If you're is asking about the combat, so yeah. the combat in Fallout New Vegas is so bad it makes it makes me physically pained. <laughs> but the beauty of it is, <laughs> I didn't fight. I I okay. I was charismatic. I was good at computers. I was good at security. I, sure. I you know I I because okay. it's a, so I I played this game more than Kevin Van Ord who reviewed it for Gamespot on the PC because he spent most of his time on the version that they sent us, which was the Xbox. So when he reviewed DLC, he took my character, when I played, yeah. you know, 50, 60, 70, Oh, yeah. that's right. And then he was, and he he was, was freaking out because he's like, this is impossible. How did you do this? I was like, I used charisma. Like, you can't, like, that. that's why I love Fallout because it's like, here's this game, here's this world, here's this amazing story, and you can actually role play through it. And I can avoid the story. Or I can avoid I can avoid the combat and just focus on the story. And, and I made it me, and I made it my world, and I made it my story. And I love that about it. Yeah. But yeah, okay. it does not let you just avoid combat, as far as as far as I know. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I I I, I don't feel like I played enough of The Witcher Three to argue either in favor of or against it. Uh, for my part, you know, it's uh, I I guess I feel like there are games that are that you know when a game is big and does a lot of things uh, <laughs> like I become a little bit more willing to forgive weakness in certain aspects because if it's you know if it's successful if it's really successful in in other ways you know yeah. and so I'm okay like I mean I don't think that I thought the combat was uh, I, I don't think I hated it or disliked it as much as Tom I also didn't think it was anything uh special i think I, I guess i thought it was a little bit better than the combat in say dragon age inquisition which was a oh game oh my that god I, which Did was a game that dragon I, age inquisition holy hell that combat well, <laughs> i know it's so the combat is so awful in that game and yet there were oh. other there were other reasons why i wanted to see that game through um yeah. uh and and i you know so i'm okay with you know 
you know, saying, okay, well, maybe the combat, maybe it's good, maybe it's mediocre or whatever in The Witcher 3. I'm okay with on the strength of, you know, other people's uh, it, admiration of the game and, and other things that it, it seems like the game maybe does well from their perspective. Like, I'm okay with it being um, on, at least on the, yeah, on, on the bolded list. Yeah, it, it's an open world game that kept my attention more than most open world games. Like, for me, Skyrim, I think I was out within, which I know is crazy, yeah. within like eight hours. I'm like, I just, it's just not here for me. And this, mm-hmm. the individual stories in The Witcher 3 the individual side quests and the individual people are just much more interesting like, to me than anything yeah. that's in Skyrim. And the combat is not great, and the movement did get tightened up, so it wasn't as kind of loose like, as it initially been. It is better than it was, yeah. yeah. The one thing, the two, one like criticism that I will levy at The Witcher 3 personally is, I mean, so it's like the closer the characters in a game come to behaving like real people and seeming believably like real people the more glaring it is when things happen that kind of break that illusion you yes. know it's like so for mm-hmm. like you know a game like morrowind or whatever you know the old elder scrolls games that were kind of busted in general it's like okay well if that npc is is uh whatever like walking up against the wall i i you know i, I like how you okay, say old like the, elder scroll games every bethesda like, game is busted okay right I mean, I just haven't, I haven't, yeah, um, I haven't played Fallout 4 or much of Skyrim or whatever. But, like, so in this game, uh, The Witcher 3, like, there was a quest I did for, I I don't even remember the details, you know, it was a quest I did for a character, and I found them, you know, uh, believable and interesting. But, so as soon as I finished the quest, then, like, the character just becomes, like, uh, any other npc in the game and spouts like just the kind of generic npc dialogue that doesn't make sense given like the interaction that Geralt and that character have had and it's like right. oh you know like oh i that breaks it a little bit for me like okay i wish that they had found some way to you know make these characters continue to be like believably themselves after or consistent after you know the, the game is essentially done with the pl- parts that they play in Geralt's story. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, there's so much going on. That, and, and, and as like Ian said, I'm sure that people, game designers that, you know, other studios are like, I mean, the fact that they even pulled it off this well is, is, you know, in a lot of ways astounding and will, you know, it's no, I mean, it is in a lot of ways, a high watermark for this kind of game. Um, it's just, it's that interesting thing of like the closer we get to, you know, realistic behavior from people, the more any flaw, you know, then then stands out, right? I guess from my perspective, this is a, a stronger example of what's wrong with games and what's right with games, mm. because it, it's like they made something that has genuine heart and genuine emotion and real characters and real people, but they're still like, we got to make we got to make sure that you're killing shit all the time or people can get bored. And so I feel like this game is actually regressive because of that, ultimately. Because, like, what games need to grow is, is to have you be able to interact with stuff other than slicing, slicing shit in the head all the time. Well, and yeah, like, okay. Now, like, I agree with that, but I also don't know that this had to be the game to do it, if, it, if that makes Well, no, it, it didn't have to be, but it's, like, a combination of it didn't have to do that and they put in combat that is at best mediocre. And it's, like, it's, it's not like they're putting in... I'll give you that. Great yeah. combat. Like, they put in shitty combat in a game where it would have been better if it, you, didn't, you didn't have to fight all the fucking time in every game. 
So I, I mean, you know, if I'm not numbered, yeah. numbered, but I just like I have a like a fundamental problem with something like that. I mean, I, I, I'm certainly, you know, I'm torn because it's like I, I recognize the craft. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I recognize the craft with which The Witcher is made. Like I, I think it's astounding. I'm also, you know, as as anyone who kind of pays attention to my views on video games knows, I'm certainly sympathetic to Tom's argument that like, okay, can we get less games where killing stuff is the core mechanic and that reinforce the idea that like, you know, violence is power and, you know, violence is awesome and all that. Um, But I mean, uh, yeah, as Ian says, like, I mean, yes, I am critical of that aspect of The Witcher on a personal level. I am, but I still think that the craft with which so much of it is executed. Um, uh, you know, it's com- it's complicated. Uh, my feelings about the game are complicated. You know, and, and I'm certainly in a lot of ways tired of the here's the the, the huge map and here are all the little icons on the yeah. game. You know, in the world of like all the things that you can do, and it's going to take you 120 hours to 100% everything and go everywhere and do everything. Um, but and you know, nonetheless, like I I, I think that The Witcher for its genre, which I think is a genre that is overly, that, you know, video games uh, uh, kind of rely on too much. Um, And I would like to see games break away from some of the more formulaic aspects of it, you know, more often. I do think it is remarkably well executed and remarkably well crafted, very well written, visually stunning, you know, world that, I mean, God, like, in my earliest minutes in this game, there were there, like I think there was just something about the way that light sunlight was streaming in through trees that yeah. I was walking through that made me feel grounded in that world as a place that you know is again it's not something that would ever or has ever happened in like a, a Skyrim or you know uh, uh, whatever it's it's like okay yeah th- th- there is this world feels more real uh just visually and narratively than a lot of um fantasy worlds that games ask me to believe in and so for that um uh yeah i i i i think that the witcher 3 can can be on on this list yeah i i agree it is formulaic in some ways and i agree with like tom that it there's a little bit too much of the not so great uh sword play but i still think the the personality really really shines through and it does so damn much and while some things like you said uh carolyn it's 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 really grounded like human at times then like the weird quirks that don't work make it stand out even more but i think overall it is a really truly wonderfully made game that i will go but it's really hard to jump back into for me like i'm like i said i'm like 25 30 hours into it and like jumping right back into that i'm like oh i don't remember a lot yeah, of things that are going on impact of the story like i'm kind of feeling that a little bit but if i can like power through of course i was deeper than you guys. yeah i mean yeah. that's the pro- right the problem with it also with the scope of the world is that i mean it's like the yeah i mean the through line of the story the pacing of it can kind of flag right it's like maybe in some ways a little more focus would have been better i don't know i don't know i'm not yeah and i, mean, I, I think spend enough time with the game to, i think most you know. open world games are like that though where For you sure. come back after a long time it's like oh i don't know so yeah i don't yeah. really know if that's the fault of the game as much as me just right right away from it um yeah but i am also comfortable putting it on this list i think it is a really great game I, i'm gonna jump back into it so i 
I am okay bolding this one. Josiah, can I um I'm I'm afraid I gotta do something really lame. I'm gonna have to bolt in a couple minutes. Can I can I make a really, really quick case for my third? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Actually, okay, because 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 I have to I have to, you know, um I, I have to uh, get this in there since our, our missing person wanted it uh, so badly. <laughs> do uh, it for real me. quick, City Skyline is uh, City Skylines is totally my my number one game of the year. Um I can't say that it's as good as SimCity four, but that was a genre which EA killed dead by doing the exact opposite of what city building games should do. It was restrictive. They loaded it down with DLC. City Skylines has single-handedly revived that genre as far as it being them being like big sellers. Um, it's actually good. It's you know it's 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 very solid. It's it's a very zen game. Like you just kind of play it and let it go. It's not too hard, which I've heard some people complain about. It's perfect. And that you can just kind of wind it up and watch it like you're watching, you know, a fishbowl or something like that. And they have done phenomenal things with the Steam Workshop where you just, you can make whatever the fuck you want, no matter how complicated, and you just download it at the press of a button. It's really, really cool to watch, uh, like, the community that's built up around it. The combat stinks. <laughs> the combat does stink. It's really hard to jump back in. And uh, those faces, though, they're real good. Uh, but, no, yeah, I know uh, Nick Capazzoli was one who was going to fight to the death for that. And yeah. I... Nick is absolutely right, and like, honest to goodness, EA should be—they should be embarrassed that this 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 small Finnish studio hooked up with Paradox. Paradox, to their credit, you know, Paradox is maybe my favorite uh, publishing and dev house in the world, and has been for 15 years now. Paradox was like, sure, I know that EA just—you know—it just blew up with EA, but you know, screw it, let's give it a whirl. They did, and they deserve every bit of success. And I hope that you know, EA just. They don't, but I hope that EA feels very embarrassed about the way SimCity <laughs> Well, I am going to bold this, and I totally understand that if you have to bolt, that's totally fine. Um, I do. Yeah, if you head out, we'll, I'll totally, you know, keep Go all of your remarks stage. in mind and uh, make sure that Rocket League wins. So uh, okay. <laughs> I'll make sure you hear the end of this and you can see how it went. Thanks, folks. It was fun. No problem. Yeah. Cool. Take off. Arc, take off. <laughs> yeah. That means we have nine games right now. The next game I want to bring up is going to be the one that I haven't wanted to bring up, but I should bring up because I think Metal Gear Solid Five is one of the best games of the year, and there are like 800 things that could be levied against it, and I totally understand. And like, I'm trying to build a really intelligent argument. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but um, similar to similar to Bloodborne, I didn't want to stop playing Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, I I think I put. 80 hours into that game, which is the most I've probably put into a game this year. And all I wanted was for there to be more content for me to keep going. Mm. Um, and I say this as I think this is also one of my most disappointing games of the year as a signet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I wow. love the Metal Gear series quite a bit. Um, sure. I have played you know, everyone. And I really think that goofy, stupid story with all its weird twists and turns that somehow all like kind of makes sense if you really squint at it a bit and you go through all the giant logs and everything like that and i i love that story and metal gear solid 5 does not satisfy that part of why i love metal gear at all um, mm, okay I, the story is a jumbled mess that feels incomplete by the end and uh the twist at the end which do you guys mind do you want me to spoil that or do you not want me to spoil uh... it? i can wait i don't have to spoil it 
I yeah, if you cannot, okay. I, I mean, I, as weird no. as it may sound, I still might play more of this game. That's totally fine. The way okay, Carol, it... stop listening. Spoil it. <laughs> I'll only say that um, there is a twist at the end, and it feels, mm-hmm. although I really love it in theory, and I, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that I sat back and talked to people about, and like, this part's really cool about it, this part's really cool about it. But it's completely unearned in terms mm-hmm. of when it happens, you're like, okay, you did not set this up well. Like, the leading right. chance of this didn't really work in its favor. And if you would have, once again, that, that part feels like the game wasn't done. And there is an additional chapter that just, like, it's just not there. And mm-hmm. Quiet is a cool character with the worst justification for the stupid outfit. There's certain things about this game that I think are really, really bad but i think okay. also one of the best playing video games out there i it's probably my favorite action game and one of my favorite stealth games and it's one of those you know you could say in the past that like oh metal gear solid four or two or three you can either play those like an action game or a stealth game but not really um they always kind of had this certain clunkiness to it that four was close i love four where you can start to play that more like a shooter but Five really gives you this entire suite of options for how do you want to handle the situation. And mm-hmm. more than almost any game, I would talk to my old roommate who had this game and we would talk about like certain missions we did and we just did them completely differently and to varying degrees of success for how we actually got there. And I just, similar to, and this is a weird comparison, but with Super Mario Maker, that game feels like second nature. And after playing a, a bit of The Phantom Pain, because of how silky smooth those controls feel it almost became second nature when a helicopter was coming down at me and i would just you know jump to the ground and go prone and roll away from the bullets and grab a rocket launcher Hmm. and shoot at and it it just became it was this weird perfect blend of all the different gameplay mechanics that just clicked for me like nothing else and the progression system for how you upgrade your base and when you're picking up new soldiers to send back to, to to become a diamond dog and all that stuff it has these wonderful <laughs> sharp hooks that really dug into me and also played better than almost any game that I can really think of in recent memory. And yes, it's bogged down by a really poor underdeveloped story that is mostly in these audio logs. And there's certain aspects that really make it Metal Gear for the story. And I was interested in it and the characters and stuff like that. But it's such a fun to play thing that I just had nights where I was staying up till 2 a.m. where I had to work in the morning, and I don't do that like, almost ever. Uh, this and Bloodborne are the two cases where I just, I just wanted to play it as long as I had time to play it. And I might lose this battle because I do think there are a lot of, a lot of parts of that game that are just bad. But And I think I've complained about that game on Twitter more than any other game where I'm just like, this part's bullshit, and this part's bullshit, but... I also think Metal Gear Solid Five is one of the best games of the year, so that is my argument for it. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I uh, I've played every Metal Gear, you know, main main series Metal Gear game up to this point. Um, I I started this game. Um, I I guess um, so. I didn't spend enough time with it to get to the point where the controls felt kind of natural to mm-hmm. me. I was still kind of uh, coming to grips with the different systems in the game and the different things that, you know, Snake Hat, whatever, has at his disposal. And and just, like, I would get to a, you know, I, I would do a mission and 
fumble, you know, fumble my way through it and totally. like realize, oh God, there has to be some, like, obviously I went about that in completely the wrong way. And, um, which is kind of fun, like that you can just kind of like, you you know, you're, you're solid, you're, you're, what are you? Tortured Big boss. snake? Or, yeah, venom snake. Yeah. And so you're like considered the, 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 the master of the battlefield or, you know, whatever, like Ocelot says to you, like, that's why you have to do this. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but you can like fumble your way through it like this sort of physical comedy. There's like bumbling <laughs> yeah, like your way into the like face, and yeah, it's like of... right, exactly. And it's like that's kind of cool that that you know. That, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I'm the I'm the best stealth operative in the, in the world. You know, it's very whatever. It's yeah. Um, and suddenly you trip me... like, while you're doing something, and everyone sees you and yeah. you shot up, and it it does. Yeah do get more comfortable and you get um this the sneaking i think it's a sneaking suit is what it's called is one of the best suits you get in that where it just takes a lot more for them to notice you because early on it feels like even if you're crawling behind them they'll suddenly turn around and notice you and the suit you get 10 hours in makes that much not nearly annoying so that is a huge perk that once i realized like oh this super helps and maybe that should have been earlier on but it kind of goes back to what yeah. you're saying we're initially fumbling and bumbling and kind of getting your sea legs before yeah. you're able to effectively do that so i guess i mean from what i've heard from what you've said about this game and from what other people who love the game have said about it it sounds like maybe one of the you know it's ver- it's one of its great virtues is that kind of emergent uh experience where yeah you and your you know like you can approach a mission and all this just unexpected crazy shit can happen and yeah. your experience of a mission can be wildly different from another player's experience of the mission and that it just has that it's that kind of interaction of all these different systems in ways that are sometimes unexpected and surprising um that you know that sounds really fun to me it it uh, and again it's not it's as i said it's a game i may go back to i think i lost interest in it a because i was you know, I, I, well, I had other things to do. I was, I felt like I was kind of fumbling with it a, a little too much and it just didn't have the, uh, the, oh, I have to see what crazy thing happens in this story next, yeah. um, appeal because I don't know in this game if the next cutscene or next story development is going to be, you know, half an hour down the road or, you know, 12 hours. Without a doubt. That was one of the most frustrating things as someone who, you know, you play Metal Gear games, like you, Every 10, 15 minutes, here's another cutscene. And I'm not saying it needs yeah. that, but you're right. No, it's right, but... just this complete, like, there's nothing. There's nothing for, like, 10 hours. And you're like, wait, yeah. what am I even doing right now? Like, am I just, yeah. like, I don't know, like, go destroy this tank. I'm like, but why? Like, what am I doing this yeah. for? And there's a lot of that. Yeah. And, I mean, we certainly have to contend with issues like Quiet, who I think is a, is just so pandering and oh, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's like just so just, dumb. It, it's, oh, it's, it's insulting. It's so like it's so immature, and like. so you know, yeah. Like when people hail Kojima as like some great auteur creator or whatever, it's like yeah, but he's also like a thirteen-year-old, you know, pervy thirteen-year-old <laughs> kid who you know tweets about like liking the squishy boobies on the quiet action figure. Yep. Like the, like that's what. Like that's why quiet is in the game is is you know to appeal to that kind of juvenile thing and I guess yeah I mean I I can see the merits of this game though as a kind of big toy like as the kind of system 
you know, a, 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 yeah. a toy box with all these systems that, you know, you can have fun. You can try to play with one system in a way and see how it how it affects other systems in the game. Like, oh, I'm going to, at this mission, I'm going to, like, whatever. I'm going to tranquilize the guy who drives the truck up to the gate and then whatever. Like, go, you know, there's just yeah. so many I mean, sandbox, sandbox yeah. is used so often, but I think it really applies here where there's just so many different ways you can handle things. And it just... Each weapon like just is very different and unique in ways that I'm usually someone who once I find my combination of weapons in any shooter or any sort of game, I just I use that and that's all I use and I get stuck on that. And I started doing that in this game, but then I would develop new things and try new techniques. And I would go from uh, D-Dog was like, I know this is the only companion I'll use. And then I was upgrading Quiet and Quiet became like way better. I'm like, no, this is way smarter than I would just, I, there's a lot of that where once you actually experiment, there's there's benefits to that. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, they, I, it's just so much damn fun to play. And I, it's one of the few times where usually I'm much more like, what are, what are the themes there? What's the story like? How's like this feel? But like, this is one of those times, just this pure joy of playing a video game where I could turn my brain off to a certain extent and just enjoy what was there and have a lot of fun in spite of the fact that there are just these problems kind of right in your face that are hard to ignore but once the moments where the story is not really annoying you or that like you're they're not having a weird creepy lingering gaze on quiet's boobs like that those moments that those (laughs) isn't happening it's like Man, I mean, this game is great. Yeah. So, um, Tom, I know that we, I think, when you talked about this, I think you had just played through the kind of opening, and I might have stopped, and you might still be yeah. there. I have a weird relationship with Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I played an hour of the original, because I was an N64 kid, and the visuals on the PlayStation hurt my eyes. So I played an hour of that one. I played zero of zero seconds of two and three. I played four, and I think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, that was. I think it's, it's one of the rare games where the story is incredible and the action is incredible. Yep. So one's not taking away from the other because often it's like you're playing to get to the story, or you're, you know, vice versa. Uh, and now I've played an hour of five, and I'm still stuck in the linear section <laughs> in the beginning. Oh man, yeah. So I, I I don't understand why they why they why would you open a game that's nothing like the rest of the game. It's, oh, man. To, to hook you in, you know? To... Uh, it's such a weird concept. So, that no, opening I, I, is I so unbelievably strange because it comes it's back slow. around where that becomes very important again later. Okay. Um, I, I figured that had Yeah, to be it has to be. Like, you can't just throw that out there and be like, yeah. here's this weird opening, and now to the game. Like, it comes back around and makes some more sense. But it is, I think it is a weird it's too long it's too slow and you're just like crawling and i understand what they're trying to do but it's more just like okay this is now just frustrating please let me move i agree that metal gear solid 4 is a much stronger and better balance between story and gameplay and this now leans this is a much better playing game but yeah the story absolutely suffers uh so i still really 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 like metal gear solid 5 and i feel like there's needs to be i'm hoping to read some interesting features in the future about more about that game and what people thought of it because it was one of those triple a releases that got the massive amounts of 10 like praise and tens and nines and stuff like that when it came out and then after i played it i'm like i i see how you think this is a great game but there's a lot more to this game that needs to be talked about and a lot more interesting Mm -hmm. criticism that i hope will happen yeah Uh, so 
can I bold it? Do you want me? Is, <laughs> is that all right? It, we can argue about it later. Sure. This is a hard one because, yeah, I'm the only one who has played all the way through it, which is a lot of these. But we're at, we're at nine games, right? Yeah, but we're, yeah, but we wanted to get it up to 12, yeah, right? Yeah, we still have two. So, yeah, let me, I, I will bold this and we can remove it later if we get to that point. Um, Because, okay. yes, yeah, so Carolyn, you have one more and Tom, you have one more. So, Carolyn, if you want to. Oh, my God. I know, it's now it's really like hard. important now and there's like, so there's like a bunch of games left that I, that, I mean, not a bunch, actually. There's how many of these games do I. I feel like there's two that stand out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay. So, uh, life is strange. Yep. Okay. Yay! Yeah. You Hold know, it. We, on. move on. <laughs> there's, it's, it's so hard for me to even approach talking about <laughs> life is strange because there's so much that I admire and appreciate and love about this game. Um, but I guess where I would want to start is, um, is like sincerity. Um, I, I, I am a person who feels like in our culture, there's a lot, there's so much kind of irony and there's so much cynicism and there's so much, um, there's so much inclination to make jokes out of, uh, out of just about everything. And, you know, you see it, you know, especially in places like 4chan culture or, you know, I, I think shows like, um, South Park and things that just treat everything as like a kind of joke and um and what I guess what what was so refreshing to me about Life is Strange is that this is a game and it's a story in which the hero is so um she's just so sincere and she's so um like she feels things deeply she's a she's sensitive she cares about people. She's, you know, she's honest about who she is and her own insecurities and her own creative impulses and all of these things. And this game <coughs> presents those qualities as a kind of strength, as a kind of heroic uh, 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 quality. And we so rarely see that kind of sensitivity and sincerity championed or 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 presented i think in, especially in games I mean, more so in television and, and cinema maybe but in games like i can think of very few like heroes who who are as kind of unguarded and sincere as max caulfield and you know so the game's core kind of gimmick is this time travel ability that max develops but it's it's so not just a, a throwaway gameplay gimmicky, you know, hook. It is something that Life is Strange uses to really delve into difficult and complex issues about, or questions about how much an individual life is worth, you know, um, and how we become the people that we are. And, um, and it's, it's it's a game that's focused on on female friendship in a way that is so to me um you know honest there are so many little moments that happen between max and chloe in this game that will that i will remember because they seem true to who those characters are and 
and perhaps perhaps the thing that I love the most about Life is Strange is that it um, it really understands and and communicates the importance or the power of moments in the way that it lets you often inhabit a moment. It lets you take time in a moment and just like, oh, you wake up in the morning and you know, you're in, you're in your best friend's room and the sunlight is streaming through the window and you can just lay there in the bed and listen to the song that's playing and appreciate the beauty of the sunlight streaming in and just like exist in that moment and take that moment in. And, you know, even for Max, who has this ability to manipulate time, you know, nothing lasts forever. And these moments are still very resonant and meaningful and powerful. And um, yeah, I, I, I just think uh, in, in terms of the, the type of story that it tells and the characters that it, that it celebrates, um, Life is Strange is a really kind of bold game. You know, it asks us to identify with a character who is so atypical from the, from the type of protagonist or hero that games ask us to identify with. And it just tells such a, such a sensitive story in a way that, um, yeah, I mean, it is that I found just deeply, deeply, uh, affecting. I have not played through life is strange. Um, I have seen a bunch of it on video. Um, Uh and every time I see it, I want to play it and it is a game right up my alley. And I think Life is Strange looks really cool, and I wish I had a more educated like argument to say about like yes or no. But I I think it looks really cool, and I want to play it. I can tell you that, and you've convinced me more. Tom, would you like uh, to I say? Re- I recorded a five-hour argument for uh, on, on on my podcast, The Crockpot. If you want to listen to it, <laughs> Karen and I talked about each of the five episodes for an hour each. Um, I, I I mean, this is this is this is a game that's actually mature and actually thoughtful and actually sincere. Uh, and I and I love I love it. I absolutely love this game. <laughs> I'm gonna so, bold it. I can't I can't say enough good things about it. And the combat is hella good. <laughs> hella good. As as Max herself would say. Man, what the hell? I'm gonna just I'm gonna uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so now we have room for uh, one more. This and... is so weird. Like the one that sticks out is Undertale, and I haven't played Undertale yet. And this is one that I keep like I'm like I'm gonna buy this, and I don't buy it, and I need to. I know Undertale is one a lot of people have talked about. I don't know if there's, any, is there anything else that stands out more than Undertale for you on this list. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't vote for Undertale. Okay. I I really I really like Undertale. And I think it's one of the funnier games, but I don't think I would actually vote for it. Uh, potentially, I don't so you're know. You're saying Grow Home because it's a really so, good, interesting 3D platformer. I'm gonna make the case for the Beginner's Guide. Okay. So the biggest, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the biggest criticism of the beginners guide. Uh, it's very navel gazy. So now I'm gonna switch to the why it's good. It's very navel gazy. <laughs> like I, this is a game that's really um, about creation and art, and uh, it speaks very rawly about it. But it also speaks about it from two different opposing sides, which I really appreciated. And there's one section in it where he talks about um, what is life or what is art if nobody has a reaction to it. I feel like my life is meaningless if I don't have people reacting to what I do. And that was that was a very poignant moment in that game. Because as someone who 
I mean, for years I was in journalism and I, I read comments and now I'm writing a book and like, I know that like the book doesn't really exist yet because only three people have read it. Like I need people to read it and I need comment. And I need like some validation because that's kind of what I am as an artist. And I really related to that. And I thought that the way that he explored arts both as a personal thing and as something to be consumed from both sides was really smart and really beautiful. And I absolutely loved the way that he, because uh, I mean, the conceit is that he's, he's exploring a developer named Coda's like, what's the word? O-E-V-R-E. And he's trying to figure out what this stuff means and what it says about the developer. And he's going through all these games and pieces of games that he's made. And you kind of play these games as the developer of the beginner's guide, Davey Whedon talks about them. So that's the conceit, but it just, it, it just exposes so much about why artists create. And I guess like, yeah, it is navel gazy, but like we live in a world where the most important thing for most of us is entertainment. I mean, you see people like in, in their bomb shelters right now because they don't want Star Wars spoilers. And I understand that because that's, that's what we favor more than anything. So to get into the head of people who do that for us, who make this entertainment that we love so much, um, was was really it was both well, eye opening and it was validating for me. Well, I mean, it's it, I mean the the game asks these questions about well, it's all about like well, yeah, who is the act of creation for, right? It, it, it maybe maybe for some creators it's for themselves and they don't care how inaccessible or uh, you, you know or a game or a thing that they create is to other people because it's an expression of their truest self. Right. And that's yep. what matters more than anything. And so there's an interesting, cause so Davey and Coda in the, in the beginner's guide, I mean, Davey recounts this kind of debate that he had with the fictional, you know, Coda. Of well, like, it may not be fictional. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, maybe based, maybe based on a real person. Like, I don't, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, I have, like, I have no idea, honestly. I don't. Yeah, sure. That's why I don't want to get. So into it's that. not. It's not really important when discussing the game if Coda's a real person or not. Like we, I mean, the the game it is what it is. Um, so, you know, Davey recounts uh, this kind of anecdote of like Davey saying to Coda, like, "Well, why don't you know you put all this work into making games? Why don't you just you know why, why not let people actually be able to play them. Like why put this stuff in your games that makes them like literally impossible to beat or to progress or whatever. And, and, you know, that's like, so that's an interesting question that gets to the heart of like artistic creation is like, where is that? And and different creators find the answer in different places, but like, where is the, uh, the line between like being true to like my own impulses and my own, you know, versus like clearly communicating something to other people and opening it up to them. And do I lose something in the act of creation? But when I do that and, and, um, you know, it, it also gets into issues of like how dangerous it can be for, for, you know, potentially dangerous, I think for fans to, to feel too much identification with a work, a, a creator or, something that they create, whereas they, where they start to see it as, I don't know, like an extension of themselves or they project themselves onto it in ways that, um, you know, maybe, uh, are unhealthy or that don't, um, 
that that run contrary to the creator's aims. And I'm very much of the opinion that if you create something and you send it out into the world, you essentially lose control of it at that point. It is whatever it becomes to people who, you know, read it, play it, love it, you know, like it can take on meanings for them that you didn't intend. And like, you can't, you can't prevent that or from happening. Um, and yet I do think that that doesn't mean it's healthy to invest uh, something with, with too much, you know, personal meaning that isn't really reflected in, in the work. Anyway, it's just, it's, I'm glad that the beginner's guide exists because it, you know, a lot of people I know played it and, and hated the Davy character in the game, right? They found him really, what? Um, yeah, they found him really, uh, uh, uh self-absorbed and, um, hmm. And uh, and I totally can understand that, but um, but my feeling is like even it, like it's okay to to hate his character or find him obnoxious or whatever. Um, but I think that that the questions, you know, and and to say that oh, the game is really self indulgent, you know, um, I absolutely think there are strong arguments to be made for that. Um, but uh, I did appreciate the questions that the game was asking about the nature of the creative process and creation and who it's for and why we do it and all of those questions that people have been asking or artists have been asking or people have been asking about art for centuries but that rarely again are are confronted or asked in the realm of video games which are you know more often seen as primarily a commercial product rather than an act of like individual expression and creation although that is changing yeah and i, I know i've mentioned this before this is, this is important to me i think i think games are great and i also think that they're very uh ex excluding um not a lot of people can can really enjoy a lot of a lot of games basically and like this you know like emily is away earlier like this is a game that I immediately told people who don't play games about, and they played it, and they and they got something out of it. They got meaning out of it, and I think that I think that's important because because like you need this medium to grow. Like it should be as as big as I mean I think games should be as big and popular as movies. Yeah, but they're nowhere near that, and the large part is I think that they're hella hard. And like I love Bloodborne, I love Splunky, I love hard games, but there needs to also be games like this, yeah, where it's like bridging the gap. Like not everything could be Dostoevsky, and I and I feel like a lot of games just kind of exclude people, and then only you know a million people in the world could actually play them. Um, yep. So I'm really happy this exists. Yeah, and, and just sharing it with my friends who are artists, and they're like, "Wow, that was that was really profound." Was you know I liked being able to share that because I don't always get to share games. Yeah. No, I I have not played it again. Um, oh my god. I know, I know, I know. This is I'm making a list now in my head too. Begins to play, but. Uh, once again, good case for it. I'm okay making this number 12. Yeah, I don't see anything else. Uh, Nothing's jumping off the page at me right now. Right, as far as, like, does this game there's have to be... There's this... some pretty good, pretty good there games. Are. There are a lot of good oh, games here. Yeah, all of there these are, have yeah. made this list that are, I think they're pretty great. Um, especially Dragon Ball's universe. But yeah, I, I think that... <laughs> so yeah, if we look at this, this would mean that what we would be deleting here is Undertale, Laura Croft Go, Journey in the PS4, Grow Home, Dragon Ball's Universe, Lost Dimension, Tearaway Unfolded, Shadowrun Hong Kong, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, Sunless Sea, and Elite Dangerous. 
I can tell you I'm okay with getting rid of the I, home. Yes. Okay. Dragon. These three just, are mine. Just a heads up, if you're listening to this, play Lovers in a Dangerous Space time with, with <laughs> your friend or significant other or whoever. It's a pretty fascinating co-op game. It's really great. Um, so we're, I think we're all good with getting rid of Undertale, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, yeah. Right. I, I think so it might be the best game ever. Maybe, huh? <laughs> Even though it might be the best game ever? <laughs> no, it's definitely not. I mean, in my opinion, it's... I mean, I think... Some people may be surprised that we didn't think it even worthy of discussion. Yeah, but there's I, only there's I, only so much time, I guess, where we can discuss I, all of these. I, like, sure. It would be great in a perfect world to go over all these. Um, I really yeah. like Undertale. But, I yeah, mean, I have I, I have things to say about Undertale that you know I no, I mean, well, I yeah, in a way, I mean, I, there are things that I like about Undertale and things that I really don't like about Undertale, and maybe that it's can a better be RPG than Fallout Four at least. It gives you real choices. I like that. It gives you it gives you choices. I don't know how real they are. Um, so so are we good with getting rid of lovers in a dangerous space time and sunless sea. Yes. Yeah, but I need to play sunless sea. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. That I'm gonna play that too. I'm I'm just not gonna have money after this. Uh, are we okay with getting rid of Shadow Run Hong Kong? Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think it's a great. It's a great cyberpunk uh, game, particularly not not so much for its combat. I love it kind of in spite of its combat, but for its writing. I think its writing is really, uh, really, really superb. All so right. that's that's the thing that um, brought me. You know, that's the thing that made me enthusiastic about that game. Nice. Yeah. But yes, we can we can eliminate that. I know Laura Croft Go seems really cool, but yeah. it is excellent. It is Excellent. quite, and is there's really free good. DLC that just came out that people need oh, to play. That game really? is super good. Yep, just oh, came out. I didn't out. know that. Thanks for that. I know. I know. I really like Laura Croft Go. Sorry, Laura. And Croft I'm excited. Go. Next year, I get to play the other Laura Croft game that we, that's on this list that we didn't talk about. But I don't have an Xbox. Uh, it's fine. I I have issues with that. I have an Xbox <laughs> One. I have issues with that game. Um, I think Uh-oh. that uh, it's it delivers a lot of its story through um like text logs and stuff like that that you can't carry with you. So you have to just sit there and listen, which makes me less interested to do that. Um, I would prefer yeah. to move around and do that. And also it's bigger in scope than the last Tomb Raider game. But all that really has done for me so far is force me to do a side quest, accept the side quest, go do the side quest on the other side of the map, come back after I complete the side quest to the original quest giver and complete it. And it just seems like a lot more running around than anything else. I haven't really seen a good beneficial like gameplay reason for why it's so big other than well you get to run around a lot more and spend more time um, that's depressing so the best uh, tomb raider of the year was laura croft go yeah I, Look at that. probably i mean I've, I've not completed uh the other the other tomb raider game so i will finish that and maybe have more thoughts but as of right now it's i i like it but i actually I loved i love the original it's probably the best uncharted game the original oh man i don't <laughs> i'm not gonna have this argument this is gonna go down a dangerous path i, I love, love uncharted too a lot but I, we, didn't, we, didn't bring, we didn't bring that up in this in this either. You gonna bring up Uncharted too? Well, it came out this year. The Uncharted collection. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it's well, all it, games that have come out years ago. And that has Uncharted one in it, which is not very good. So that already drags <laughs> it down. Okay. All right. So we're doing this. We have twelve games here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, okay, since Ian is not here, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to argue for his games. I think he made really good points about. Ark Cities and The Witcher Three, but this could be our chance to get rid of Ark and say early access. It doesn't count. Yeah, I was gonna say get rid of Witcher and keep the other two. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I
Kevin Van Orden will flay me for this opinion. Know <laughs> that it's a better reason to get rid of it. Uh, hmm. you know, he's basically Bruce Bolton. <laughs> I like. I have played the most of The Witcher of his three games, and I am also. I appreciate it for what it is, but I'm fine getting rid of it if we would like to do that. If they ever patch in a story mode, I'm gonna just <laughs> be so happy. <laughs> um, Carolyn, would you be okay getting rid of The Witcher? Thing? Oh, uh, yeah, yes, certainly. Boom! Yes. We have eleven games. I mean. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is this is so awkward. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. It's all right. He I he made a good argument, and it was on our final twelve. And it's a great game. You should play it. But now we have okay. So we have Rocket League, Metal Gear, Life is Strange, Bloodborne, Emily is Away, Axiom Verge, Cities, Ark, The Beginner's Guide, Super Mario Maker, and The Swindle. There's not really an obvious one to take out there. Uh, I don't. I don't think we should take out Ark just because of the obvious reason to take it out. Because what I know of it is, it seems pretty special. And yeah, and he is. He made it probably the strongest of, like one of the. Well, that was the thing I had to cover, like at Games Beat, and I was like, ah. And then I was, and I was like, just in awe of it because it actually is, it actually is really cool. It's just not. It's not a Tom game. Yeah. But I can. I appreciate that it was doing. It was doing a lot of cool stuff. And it has yeah. dinosaurs. It has dinosaurs in it, and that's all that I know. Carolyn, so there isn't an obvious one to take off. There isn't an obvious one. Let me. How strongly do you feel about the swindle? This is not me trying to delete it. This is me. Right. Hmm. I. Do you think a... anyone will care about the swindle in 2020? In 2020, I. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to care about. Uh. About. A, a few few of these games in 2020 i mean uh... well some of these games we can say for sure are going to be cared about in 2020 i, I, I think you could say mario maker for instance yeah it's, uh... either mario maker or it's or it's nx you know re-release it's super hd update yeah it, like that'll ah. still be a relevant game i think bloodborne was like there's some of them where you can say that uh, i'm just right. curious because i personally i think this window will be more recognized in a year or two but i, I don't know what you think of someone who's played so yeah, I mean, well, I I feel like the swindle is sort of the the best. I mean, I know that you objected, Tom, to in a way to to comparisons between the swindle and Spelunky. Um, you know, uh, I, when, can, I can understand it in some ways, just in like yeah. the the raw moment to moment stuff. Like, I don't yeah. think they're very similar, but in like sure. the keep playing, you get better, and blah, blah, blah. Like that's it's very yeah. simple. And and. I guess to me, like the swindle is the is for me like the smartest or or most kind of interesting kind of evolution of okay, let's kind of take some things that are in some ways reminiscent of Spelunky and but do something that makes it feel significantly different and its own thing, um, and 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 create a, a different feeling, you know, of of I mean the the sort of one the one mistake and it's all over you know, precision, patience, because Spelunky, there's a, there's a, a clock ticking all the time, right? Yep. Um, the swindle, it's, it's kind of the opposite where, at least in, in how I approach it, and uh, is like, I approach things very slowly and very cautiously, because as long as you're out of sight, and, you know, you can take as much time as you want to kind of plan your next move, just, and then it's like, okay, then you have your plan, and then it's a matter of executing it perfectly and hoping that it actually things fall into place to what you hope they will and so it's just a very different kind of thrill that the swindle winds up evoking so i mean i i really do think the swindle is a a wonderfully designed game um 
with a terrific concept. This is a really good list of video games. But I really don't yeah. know what we're gonna cut. Yeah, I can't this figure is. It out. Oh shoot! I mean, I, I, I guess if we. I mean, the swindle also gets points for being on the Vita. I just got to throw that out. <laughs> I mean, if we have, to, we have, we obviously we have to lose something. One really quick. There's, um, there's have, only one Vita game on this list, actually. I'm actually as of the second, there is one Vita game on this list. Axiom Verge is coming to the Vita still. Oh, I, you know I'll play second. it on there. Um, uh, it's not gonna be as good. Have any of us so, played City Skylines? No. No. But then, but Nick Capizzoli will haunt us from the grave. I feel like he's going to do that no matter what. Like, no matter what, Nick is going to haunt all of us in some weird way. I mean, this way. is a per- I mean, it is, it sounds like. It sounds great. I know this is. It sounds like the, the, the revitalizing game that that genre sorely needed after the debacle that was the, you know, SimCity. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's tough because I'm not, um, yeah, I wish... given over to playing city builders generally yeah. speaking like it's just not a genre that i um that i that i leap to play so uh, uh i mean yeah, it's, it's I sort mean, of I like guess one I mean, knock is ones... it's not the other games in this are, are innovative or bringing something new to the table in some way hmm. i think looking it over maybe i'm wrong most of them yes i would say so but um i don't know if this one is it's more perfection of an old formula as opposed to like a reinvention of blah 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is one of those cases. Well said, well said. I, I know what you mean, and this is one of the cases where, like, in the end, this is kind of going to be a representation of mostly the three of our, you know, game interests for this year plus yes. uh, Ian's. And I, yeah. Well, if we're gonna, it depends. If we're gonna order these, I have no idea where we would put Cities Skylines, um, because I yeah played it. Uh, let's get rid. Let's let's get rid of City Skylines. And, so that so that we can because we know these games. Yeah. So then we're left with games that we can actually kind of knowledgeably arrange in some kind of order. I'm so sorry, Ian and Nick. It it doesn't. It, I didn't think it was going to be this way, but it has to be this way. We are now down to ten. Games. Um. Dun dun dun. Okay. It's yes. It's so, a pretty good top ten list. Really. Yes. Okay. So to read it again, we have Rocket League, Metal Gear Solid Five, Life is Strange, Bloodborne, Emily is Away, Axiom Verge, Ark, Survival Evolved, The Beginner's Guide, Super Mario Maker, and The Swindle. So let's just quickly go over do we want to do a winner a runner-up and then eight other games or do we want to attempt to actually order this one to ten because i don't know i will leave it up i to don't a know vote. how i don't i don't know how i'm going to compare axiom verge to Emily that is my issue um and i would be totally I'm... comfortable doing one I mean, a... people love having things in some kind of you know a list so that they can so they yeah. can d- argue or they can get upset about how could this how could you put that game ahead of this game <laughs> Um, let, me, let me ask, uh, Josiah, do you have do you have a top three games of the year? Uh, I do. I would say for me, it's because you've been able to order it yourself. <laughs> yeah, because I, if I was gonna order I, my, I do. I, if I, this list is gonna be, if I was gonna order it my like for just the top three for me, it would be I mean, Rocket League, Bloodborne, Metal Gear. Okay, mine I mean, would be Life is Strange. Life is Strange and Bloodborne, and then it's almost a tie between Emily's Away and, and uh, Beginner's Guide. It's it's hard for me to choose because they're very similar in, in, in what they're trying to do for me. Okay, so so far Bloodborne is our only similarity. There. Bloodborne is really good, by really the way. Good. I, I mean, Dark Souls is my second favorite game ever, but this is uh, this is pretty good. Uh, Carolyn, what would your three be? Well, I know her number one. Uh, <laughs> is it Life is Strange? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, but, but I mean... 
like so i i mean my personal like top three would probably be i mean life is strange bloodborne and then um mario maker but but <laughs> i i think that <laughs> we I have mean, the same top two look at that but, but there's also like a part of me so I'd be, be given, hmm, I don't know, like Rocket League for me is the, is also one that's like, well, because it's so appealing and so great at what it does yeah. and everything, it's, like I would perfect. be okay with that game being in the top three, certainly. I'm currently trying to order these in a way that I think might represent what we're saying. And, it's and, I, be and really I also hard. believe that Mario Maker, I mean, I I, I think that game is... This is overstating it, but it's basically the Minecraft of, of this year. Yes, I agree. And Minecraft is one of the most important games ever. <laughs> so, that's, yeah, I mean, I, but I don't know if yeah. it's, I don't know if I want to say that high praise, but I mean, no, it is, I don't think no because Minecraft has no, I, it's it's not quite Minecraft. It's level, not Minecraft. But it's like the Minecraft of this year, where sure, it sure, transcends sure. and it's like. Leave it to Nintendo to be like, well, how do we make something accessible and fun that's daunting? And they, they, yeah. they did it. Like it's like that game. It's it's incredible how fun and, and to, to create. I don't create stuff. Yeah, I. I yeah, it, no, I, it, I, I totally agree that with that. Game is it's so easy to say like, oh, you know, like I mean, Carol was talking about how it could have been done years ago. Like and it feels obvious. Like it's so easy to just kind of undermine what Mario Maker is, but that is mm, oh, a yeah. part what they did because it is not easy to do to, to to do yeah. And it's also you know, you can poke holes and say that it doesn't have a proper campaign. Uh it'd be nice if it had like a real stitched together single player. But um even from like a creative perspective, the one thing that I wanted was uh to create not just individual standalone levels, but to yeah. create like a, a world map, like Super Mario Brothers 3 style or whatever, yeah, and create like a little, like a sequence of levels. But what's there is just... It's done so wonderfully, and I like, love I think, the, the interface is beautiful. Yeah. I think it's just really easy to, to undersell exactly what, like how good Mario Maker is. Because I think, I think we're all spoiled by Nintendo. Mm. I agree. Like, yeah, this is what I expected. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is... It is exactly, incredible. but but yeah, if you actually think about it, it's like, whoa, this is, this is, yeah, <laughs> Nintendo is, Nintendo is the best at what they do, um, yep. and I think they're the only people on Earth who could have actually made Mario Maker. So, um, so I just made a tentative top ten that um, we can, of course, argue yeah. about. But as of right now, I have it. This is just in my head from our conversation. So, Bloodborne number one, Life is Strange, mm -hmm. then Rocket League. Super Mario Maker, mm -hmm. Axiom Verge, Metal Gear Solid 5, Ark, Emily is Away, The Beginner's Guide, and then The Swindle at 10. I will so take... if you're curious, okay. four of our top 10 were made by one person. Wow. <laughs> that, is, that sounds impossible. The Swindle is Dan Marshall, and The Beginner's Guide is Davey Wind Whedon, Axiom Whedon. Verge is Tom Happ, and Emily is Away is... What was his name? Kyle... Uh, Kyle Seeley. Like it's it's like this That's is super cool. That is very cool. Right? Development so anyone can make games. Uh, the Swindle is also just amazing because it just it, like that was like what was it, a year and a half or two years since uh, Monkey his Monkey game came out that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> Monkey Island. That was what the is one. That? No, it was, it was a really good one-on-one -on -one <laughs> multiplayer game. I know that. Oh, yeah. I, 
Jeez. What is it? I forgot. But yeah, because Axiom Verge uh, is, a, is a masterpiece also, but it, it did take five years, which you kind of understand. But my, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm shocked at what one person can do. Yeah, um, no, totally. This is, this is a pretty good list. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does anyone feel strongly about one game being too high or one game being too low? I feel like the swindle actually is going to get better with age, and I feel like it, it should be higher. Um, well, I don't. Okay. I mean, I maybe you, you can agree or disagree, but I mean, I I would be fine like swapping that Axiom Verge, even though Axiom Verge is the best Metroid ever for me. It also is. It's more building on something as opposed to the Swindle. Where I've never really played. So anything you're saying like, moving the Swindle all the way up to five and Axiom Verge to ten? That's kind of my instinct, but I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, I I do I do think it will be like spelunking that it has legs and people will be like, this is this is really good. Uh, well, as the person who argued to get this, I mean, um, yee, boy, that's tough because I love both of those games. Uh, I wrote about yeah. both of those games for <laughs> Vice, uh, and both incredible. they are, and, um, wow, this, and I, th- oh, they just do such different things, but they both do what they do so well. Um, uh, I can, I can move it up. So maybe. Oh, Gun Monkeys! That was his last game. Okay, carry on. <laughs> uh, we could move it up, so... Um, let's try this. So if we move it... Oh, it's gone. Top nine. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know this is really exciting radio right now. This but is, I, a, this is a pretty, it's a pretty cool list just because yeah. there's just so many things that are just doing new... That's like good. ARC. Yeah. Like It's like, hey, what if we made survival games not crap? And it works, which is which is a pretty huge step. Guess what okay, so, makes every game better? Dinosaurs, and they they did it. I know. Um, so also, yeah. So okay. So life is strange. Rocket League, mm, Emily is away, and the Beginner's Guide also are not are like non-violent games, yeah. which I also think is uh, is really interesting to note. The number one game has the words blood in it, but you know it's a really I good mean, yeah. game. Bloodborne is also the the most violent game. Yes. Listening to Lee Alexander's been tweeting recently about it, about just like she's in a sea of blood, collecting bloods. To, and it's just like, yeah, that game's pretty pretty messed up. Um. Yeah. So the only thing I've done, I don't know if I said it out loud, is so I moved uh, the swindle from ten to seven, uh, which would make this list read Bloodborne as the game of the year, uh, with runner-up being Life is Strange, and then number three Rocket League, number four Mario Maker, five Axiom Verge, uh, six Metal Gear, seven The Swindle. Eight arc, nine Emily is away, and ten the beginner's guide, which I think is a pretty accurate representation of the arguments we had and the amount of mm-hmm. like, arguments is a strong word, but the amount of uh, like passion each person had for each game we were talking about. And so I, I have I have an argument for and against Bloodborne being one. Okay, it it is it is another Souls game. Yep. It's the fourth Soul game in two thousand nine was Demon Souls, um, and it is it is using a lot of what made those games great. But, but here's my argument against that. It's really good. Well, the argument against, like, for it being included, one, is that it, it made some controversial changes, mm-hmm. i.e., let's take away the defense. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I, I haven't tried, but it might be tough to go back to Dark Souls after Bloodborne because the speed of Bloodborne is just yeah, that's a good so point. frenetic and so chaotic and so just I, I could not put it down. Um, whereas Dark Souls, I, I often just, just turtled. Because I was terrified all and, the time. And I mean, for all of their similarities, you know, the the 
the way the kind the, the particular kind of dread and unease that bloodborne fosters at least for me is is so different from the one that that's like the, the souls games have this sadness to them the environmental oh, yeah. the environments are so just melancholy and you have the sense of history and things just kind of crumbling under the weight of time and ages mm-hmm. passing and things being lost in, you know, and fading into myth and legend and Bloodborne, like I said, is very much like it feels like this descent into madness, right? Like I, like I, I end up questioning everything. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was constantly surprised by where that game wound up the, going. The like second half of that game is insane. Yeah, it's yep. insane. It is completely insane. And in the in the most like wonderfully surprising and. Uh, you know, way possible. Literal, where, literal you, sense. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know... Uh, it, it is not I, just Demon Souls I, 4. No, no it's not. It, is, it is certainly not. It is certainly not. And it is um, a good point. Like, if you look at this list, it's probably one of the most iterative in a certain sense, where it is building off of a lot of recent games, but it just does it so well and has this own unique flavor to it that, yeah, of course you can see that this is a Souls game, but does so many things uniquely different and takes risks that really pan out. And uh, I, I think when you you know, hear from all of us, that's the one game we had in common on our top three of like, this is one of the best games of the year. Uh, and I absolutely do want to play Life is Strange and maybe I will change my opinion after I play through that. Um, so but. the other day I was, I was having dinner. I'm going to just name drop. I was at uh, Nick Sutner's celebratory. I released a book on Shadow of the Colossus dinner, mm-hmm. which everybody should buy because it's great. Uh, so it was with a bunch of industry people because he's friends with people from the industry. And someone's like, oh, what's the name with that game with two girls in it? And <laughs> there's one answer to that. Well, like, no. That's, that's yeah. There's three. Thankfully, there's actually, I can think of three answers. Ooh, Gone. let's hear it. Game with two Gone. girls. Gone Home. Three girls. Okay, yeah, but, but yes, but, it, uh, but I can understand someone's meaning so Gone Home. Because... That, but yes. Right. But it, like, okay. And the the other... fact that, like, we could, like, and of this year, there's one game this year. Okay, of this year, sure. But, but I, I mean, it's... I think it's, it's real. So when I look back on the last three years, like, my favorite game, I mean, and people are going to say, well, you're just biased in favor of these games because they're about girls. And, I mean, I won't deny that that appeals to me. But so you have Gone nuts. Home, you have Gone Home, you have Last of Us Left Behind, um, and you have you know, Life is Strange, which are my three favorite games of the past three years. But it's because, I mean, it's, it, I, I mean, these games are, there's more that makes these games great than just, oh, they happen to be about the connection between, you know, young women, right? I mean, Left Behind, to me, subverts AAA action game mechanics. Oh my God, Unlike so anything else. Like, it is a, it is so brilliant in terms of how it uses gameplay to make you feel invested in that bond between those two characters, right? I mean, um, Life is Strange, as I said, is is bold and daring, not just because the, the protagonist is a young woman who is a real person that players of all genders are asked to kind of project themselves onto and identify with, but because of her sincerity, because of her uh her honesty and because of the 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 ways in which connection 
and love and loss and are woven so intrinsically into the fabric of that story. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be able to say that, oh my God, for the past three years, like at least there's been at least one great game that is centered in a very human way on, you know, on women and, you know, stories and stories about women and relationships between women. Like, I think that's, uh, fantastic. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance my two favorite games ever are Ellie from from The Last of Us and Chloe from Life is Strange. Not mm. Chloe, Max. Sorry, Max. sorry, Chloe. I like Chloe a lot, but Max <laughs> Max and Ellie might be my two favorite characters ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and games, they they are so they're real. Yeah, um, like it's it's rare to to see that in a game, but they they like they show emotion that is real and relatable and understandable. Even in the midst of, of terrible tragedy and, and you know mm-hmm. stuff that you would never want to deal with, you can understand why they are reacting ways. Yeah, and I I I just like you know I brought it up before mature, but it's like so many games say they're mature, but this like Life is Strange deals with like bullying in a way that I've just never seen in any medium before, and it's so it just shows what effect bullying actually has, and from from the bullier to the bullie, you actually like. Ex- learn about these characters and it's just like like don't nod wet in places that are very risky and very scary and very they're tough to even talk about um and i just i cannot believe that life is strange did that and did it like beautifully and elegantly and thoughtfully so i i mean that is my favorite game of the year just because like i've just i i was very emotionally affected by just about like every second of that and and the, the world and the characters that it created and it's funny because we talked about it for five hours on our podcast, Carol. But like we, we almost never brought up the time travel because that's not that's not what the game is. It's just about right. people and events that that we can all understand and relate to, basically. Uh, and really well, yeah, just beautifully brought to life. It's pretty great. Yeah, man, these, these games are so hard to compare, just in terms of what they are. Um, I know, and it's well, you compare them by saying like, well, what did they want to do, and how did yeah. they succeed with it? And but yep. the problem is that they both. Uh, succeeded wildly. <laughs> I guess I don't. I don't think that there's a bad uh, enemy or boss or level or anything in Bloodborne. I think everything about that game is just yep. Just, just and I know cause some people have problems at the end of Dark Souls. I don't. I think it's amazing, hmm. all of it. But like Bloodborne, like I just I just think that game is incredible and what they tr- tried to do, they achieved beautifully. And it's this. I guess my site, I, like, I didn't love Episode 5 as much in Life is Strange. So it wasn't, like, as sure. for me, but oh my god, is it good. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. If you're doing it just from what they're trying to do, Bloodborne might be slightly higher, but Life is Strange had a higher degree of difficulty, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so are you saying Life to... is Strange is harder than Bloodborne? Is that the argument you're making? I cannot, <laughs> like, I cannot believe that Square even like paid for this. Like, yeah. it is it, like yeah, this is I mean, not that's... a game that exists. This is not, and then they they spent real money on a you know real team of real people working on this, and I can't believe Square allowed that because I I can understand if they went to Microsoft and Sony and they were just turned away because who's gonna want this game? No one's ever done anything like it ever. So. Yeah, I think the degree of difficulty for Life is Strange is off the charts, and they mostly nailed yeah. it. And I, yeah, so, right. I think that's one thing we can all take away from this list, you know, is, is uh, it's nice to see really risky, you know, games, and you know, cre- creatively kind of getting more attention, getting more, 
uh, yeah, uh, wider play. Um, yeah. And 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 the fact, yeah, that Life is Strange was supported by Square is, I mean, it's just it's it's encouraging, and it's like okay. And since Life is Strange was a success, uh, you know, financially, it's like okay. Well, I hope that that designers are starting to maybe see that there is really an appetite out there for games that tell different kinds of stories and do different kinds of things and are about different kinds of people besides like, uh, you know, scruffy, uh, grimdark, you know, yeah. Uh, Dude white dudes. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Because, uh, you know, because there, there are, there is like games don't have to always be about, um, killing and they don't have to be about, you know those kinds of people they can tell all different they can tell so many different kinds of stories and there's so much potential to the medium that is that is largely you know been untapped or at least un you know or at least if it's been tapped it's been in in uh experimental and indie spaces that haven't seen the light of day or haven't had support uh and and i'm you know i i think it's just it's a really there's still too much reliance on safe uh, you know, uh, predictable, you know, IPs and mechanics for my taste, but I try to look at the, uh, you know, the bright side and feel like, you know, there is an encouraging trend here of more and more games being a little more daring, telling different kinds of stories, being about different kinds of people, and, um, and just exploring the, the creative space that games have to, to offer. Yeah. This is, it's funny, because, like, looking back, I was like, 2015 wasn't that great of a year for games, but this list... <laughs> this list is pretty cool. This list yeah. is pretty cool. Like, we have Emily's Away under Metal Gear Solid Five under yeah. Life is Strange next to Bloodborne. Like, it's... Yeah, it's pretty good. I guess, I guess like, AAA wasn't as good for me this year, because yeah. I think my second favorite AAA game was Until Dawn, which I really like, but oh, it's yeah. also mm. not something I even brought up today, because... There's so many other things. Yeah, because it's until dawn, and you know, I re- I really like until dawn, but like, yeah. But when you look at all the all the great games that came out this year, it's it's pretty stunning. Yeah, no. Is this... it what we're gonna keep? Or is because life? I don't know. Life is strange. Bloodborne is so hard. That, well, that I top, mean, we can put the, up the to top a... four is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, we could put up to a vote. Like, I mean, I am I'm okay. Well, switching. well, the vote you know you're gonna lose. I know. That. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I... I I mean, to me, like, I don't even. To me, there's. Because since, well, if we were to say, like, Bloodborne Game of the Year, and then, like, all these, like, runners-up, that would be one thing. But if we don't, I mean, and obviously that's sort of implied by the number one next to it, <laughs> but... But still, yeah, this is it's, a... It's a different thing, it's a different to, if to single out Bloodborne as, like, the Game of the Year, and then all these, you know, nine other games, as opposed to just having a list of, like, the ten best games of the year, where I... I mean, like you know, we can all acknowledge like, no, Bloodborne and Life is Strange are such different games that yeah. we don't really have to say that one is definitively, you know, better than the other. You know, this is why it's probably like, good that we ordered them. I actually feel yeah, about that. Yeah, like this. I think this is a good order for them, and um, thank you. I'm good at locking in this list, but I mean, we look at like Bloodborne, Life is Strange. It's it, it to me, it's one A and one B, um, even though. In the sure. end, I like if we're gonna if someone asks, it's like, well, Bloodborne was the first annual freelancer game of the year. But <laughs> Life is Strange, it was like right there, like that. Those could yeah. be changed. And then we all agree that Rocket League is Rocket League is the the perfect game. And Mario Maker might be the most like important game of the year. And God, like, that top four is 
awesome. It is. It's kind of a. a mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. It's a transcendent pop four. You're not really going to get that in many years. Yeah. Um. So let me just read it one last time before we think, lock it in. Yes, go good. for it. Um. So. Mm-hmm. Number one, Bloodborne. Number two, Life is Strange. Number three, Rocket League. Number four, Super Mario Maker. Number five, Axiom Verge. Number six, Metal Gear Solid Five. Number seven, The Swindle. Number eight, Ark. Number nine, Emily is Away. And then number ten, The Beginner's Guide. I said we lock that in. Let's uh, let's punch it. That's it. Lock it in. Ooh. So after two and a half hours of discussion, uh-huh. um, we have our top ten list. So awesome. That was. About, like, I think that's the best way to handle that without us all playing the same games. I think that worked out really well. Yeah. So what is the first <laughs> game you guys want to play now? <laughs> oh, geez. I really want to play the Swindle now. Yeah. After that, that conversation. That one, that one takes a lot of work, but it is, it, 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 yeah. It's it's very good. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, gonna... it's better on the PS4 now than it was at launch because he's implemented some interface changes that make it more clear like which upgrades you can afford at what time and things like that so it's still well, it's, on, it's, it's still on all an uphill the, battle but just 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 uh, to clarify oh yeah but i but the thing is like because you can update on steam much easier for a while yeah. steam the steam version was like just superior to the ps to the playstation version because he was making all these tweaks and tweaks to pricing and interfacing and and, and everything uh, on PC just every day and PS4 it's like well you have to l- do it in like lump updates because you can't just update on on so on Sony like all the time um so but you know but I think the that that chasm between the PC version and the PlayStation version has been minimized or eliminated because the at least most of those updates have now made their way to the PlayStation so yeah. Anyway, that's definitely on my list. The swindle. Yeah. Uh, I really want to try Emily is away, and uh, Axiom oh, Verge yeah. seems like something that I could really get into. And uh, yeah. I am. There are a lot of video games I have to play, and this is actually one of yep. the best ways for me to organize these in my head. So really, this has all been for me, yeah. so I can organize my catalog. So thank you for helping I'm, me do that. I, sh- I should warn people: if you're waiting for yeah. the Vita version of Axiom Verge, don't. I don't know how it's going to work because you kind of need all four shoulder buttons oh, so yeah. play it on pc play it on ps4 play it, but, but play it because that game is amazing so but yeah i'm really happy with this list this me is a too good year. yeah i, I feel hope really 20, good I hope 2016 this. is this game. yeah this me is, too i've already locked in the witness in the top 10 and we will see <laughs> what else makes it uh arc will be there again <laughs> arc will be there again, <laughs> there again. Uh, arc will be there again <laughs> Um, yeah, Rocket's uh, coming to Xbox One. So we oh have, shit! We have, yep. we have... No, that's that's the real number one. That's it's a perfect <laughs> game. No, I I totally want to do this next year. Now this is a lot of fun. So um, yeah. thank you so much for doing this for the past two and a half hours, both Tom, Carolyn, and R.I.P. Uh, Ian. That was yeah, this was great. So if you if someone is still listening all the way to this point, God bless you. I Absolutely. thank you for sticking around all the way to the end. Uh, this is the first time I've really done a game of the year like this, and I had a great time. So hopefully you guys had a great time too, and uh, hopefully you'll tune back in next week. I'm gonna say next week for a much shorter episode of the 1099. <laughs>